learn how to use their shit. You said you want to learn Pro Tools? Yeah. Man, I, I, I literally, I want to learn so bad that I literally started rapping. Like I literally started, like I put a track, I mean a beat to a track and I was rapping and then I was editing that shit because I wanted to figure out how to do this shit. That's how you got to do it though. Little projects yeah. like that. But you know, because um, I'm on the tour team at Full Sail, the daily tour team, there is something called the Pro Tools Lab that we have in like building two. And part of our tour speech is that any student from any degree program can become certified to use Pro Tools in that space. Are you serious? Yeah. So I'd have to, I can track down how exactly that process works tomorrow because I'm going to have to be there tomorrow for work. But yeah, anybody can yeah, be let certified me- in Pro Tools, bro. Let me know because I just got on to the Armada team too. So I'll be. Are oh, you on Armada uh, now? Yeah, man. Uh, I'll be playing. Um, you tough, man. Uh, Apex Legends for the ass. <laughs> yeah, you gonna you gonna probably be better than half the people they got. I mean, don't get me wrong. Armada is a big deal in the esports world, but um, I mean, I be seeing your stuff all the time, so I know you can play. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you seen that TikTok I did earlier? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I seen that one too. Oh, I was watching. That, I was like. Oh, Boys do talk because um yeah. I know like the captain of the Armada team because I'm 95% sure um either his girlfriend's on the tour team or I know someone who just knows of them. And yeah. then um Peyton, who was the lead in Ty's track, her boyfriend is on the Armada team too. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, being on that tour team gives you like connections. Thanks, man. I'm you know, you gonna have a lot of connections when you Ready to win. That's good. Like, um, mm-hmm. that's really what you were supposed to come here and get, like, for sure. Yeah. Especially, like, with um, even just going back to like film composition for the films that we do and stuff, like recording arts, they teach them all that stuff because they have music labs and stuff like that. And I do feel like that's a loss on our part being in the film master's program at Full Sail, more so uh, a loss on Full Sail that becomes a loss on our part, but they never mm-hmm. actually teach you how to do these kinds of things you know what i mean like yeah. i remember when i first started the program or was about to start mm-hmm. um i was riding around because i remember specifically this was back when i still lived in beaufort south carolina so i was riding around and i called up the guy at full sale and i was basically like hey you know uh i saw they said in the launch box we get a camera they encourage us to make our own short films during our time there when we do and we shoot the films how do we find people to put music to it and stuff like that and he was mm-hmm. like well that's when you you know you need music you go over to the recording arts people you ask them you need a logo you go over to digital art and design you ask them and then i sort of forgot about it until i started doing the tour stuff and then they kind of teach you on the tour stuff this is what this uh degree program is and this is what they do and then because we were further in our film program i was like oh now i can see how to put some of those pieces together right i mean so then I was like, okay, recording arts is the easiest place to go to to get a film composition because then I don't have to mess with attempting to hopefully find something online that's royalty free and mm-hmm. just so happens to fit my film. That's impossible to do, like 99% impossible to do. Right. You know? Yeah, so yeah. I definitely feel that. Like, I, I guess with my thesis film, I'm really, I don't even give a shit where it goes. Like, I'm just <laughs> trying to get it done, like, at this point because, like, it's like a specific track I want for my shit, and it's not royalty free. And I, I don't give a fuck about like putting this in film festivals. Got paid for wanted, it? Huh? You have to pay for it? No, it's like a, it's an actual song. Oh, okay. Like so it's, it's something um, you have to actually like clear in order to yeah, use. Yeah, with the record company. And I like I, for the for the sake of me, bro. I'm just creating this shit for me because I just want something that looks good. 
I was going to say, throw it in your demo reel. Yeah, that's, that's probably or what I'm going to do. Where you don't make money from it, and theoretically, they're not going to sue you for yeah, using facts. that. But I, I'll probably, like, like this shit that I'm doing in class, I'm never going to put on my portfolio because, mm-hmm. um, first of all, bro, now that I'm about to be working with Orlando Magic, bro, I'm about to have a whole totally different portfolio, like a whole sports portfolio. So that's yeah. really what I'm going to focus on for, like, 2022. It's just like making sure that I got a very good sports portfolio. So like when I'm done with them, uh, if I do want to like, if they do ask me to come back or um, if I want to go somewhere else, then I'm going to have a really strong portfolio. And since I'm going to be like mainly editing the entire time, it's mm-hmm. it, it should be like a no brainer that. Um, right. Because like, it's not like a permanent gig, right? Exa- well, it OK. So the thing the thing about it is like if I perform well and like they really like like what I'm doing, then I can come back and uh do the job again um but you know like i know myself and i know i'm not the type of dude to just sit and stay in one place if uh i don't feel like i'm going anywhere so i probably would like try to go back to atlanta but mm-hmm. I, I don't know yet we'll, we'll see what happens like I, i'm really liking the program so far so i'm not i don't really have nothing bad against it so that's what's yeah. up i mean at this point too because we are what four months out from graduation something like that I mean, it, it does kind of like, for lack of a better term, behoove us to look for opportunities like that. Yeah. They, you know, normal schools be like, oh, you wait till you get the paper and then like you do it after. No. And I know career development oh, no. would reach out to us probably in the next month or two mm-hmm. in order to start like uh, leading us down the path of internships and potential job opportunities. But it is way better to like, I feel to seek that stuff out on your own. Like even yeah, for- bro, like you should, you listen, when it turned August, mm-hmm. niggas should have been looking for jobs. Like yeah. it, there's there's no way because listen i'm gonna tell you like the prime time especially like to get into like television like the prime time to do it is august or, yeah. or june july as soon as the shit ends niggas is posting jobs you should be on that shit like be on it like thirsty as hell yeah like every day man like i'm always looking on linkedin looking on other stuff um I even you remember I told you I worked on the Unconquered film set back in uh, May and I like yeah. missed the whole week of class because I was yeah. a PA on that set for the producer. Yeah. Um, now she's out in L.A. and she um, her name is Devin Renee. Right. So she worked for Oprah, worked for Warner Brothers, stuff like that. Basically, she is the closest thing that Full Sail will have to an Oprah Winfrey or an Ava DuVernay because she's worked for both. Right. Mm-hmm. So and her face is literally everywhere at Full Sail, like on all the monitors on their little uh, videos that always look on a loop but um she's out in la and i always called her boss right whenever we were on set and even when i text her i talk to her as my mentor i still call her boss just out of habit so she took that ran with it and now her brand the devin renee brand is opening up into the bossed up brand so Uh, then she called me and said she's starting up her own little production company thing and she's like how soon could you get out here to la so i could make some introductions for you possibly hire you as an intern for my stuff but then also get you connected to these other people's stuff and so i was like well when tell me when you need me right and she was like that nigga out of book the plane day of no listen because i I need to know like a day right so i was Mm. like well listen boss like just tell me when you need me and i'll I'll figure it out and she was like okay well i'm gonna check on some other things and then i'll get back with you and we'll see right soon as she got back with me she was like okay it, it might be uh, maybe this or that. And I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I already looked up plane ticket prices and they're like $96. So as soon as I have a concrete day, I'm out, I'm there. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'll drop everything to go over there to LA so that I could do this. Cause that's my future. You know what I mean? Thanks, thanks. Um, 
And she even mentioned, because, you know, we were talking about internships and stuff, the Emmys Television Academy internship. That's what she did. Yeah, so, I was, mad was crazy in that realm. When it was crazy. What? Um, uh, like, I think it was like my sophomore year. And uh, like we got like a uh, like the AUC has like this thing where like it's like a. Hey, what's that thing called, babe, when like the AUC did that resume? I mean, the uh, the work, the job shit. It's a workshop. Is that what it is? Yeah, oh no, it was a career fair. So like That's all it, these yeah. big, all these big ass companies just came for our career fair. Uh-huh. And um and the Emmys were actually there. Uh I actually interviewed with them on the spot and uh they looked at my resume, but I was this this is what I'm this is what I tell you like when somebody like gives you an opportunity or like you got some something to do, just do it because I yep. told them niggas no. Oh wait, uh, wait, wait, they were about I, to give it to you? Yeah, I was scared to go to L.A. Bro, you should. I mean, um, I I can sort of go ahead. My homie, homie, uh, she actually got it, and she worked the Emmys. She worked the Oscars, and she worked, like, the Tonys, too. But Mm. she's from L.A., so, like, it was. Well, that makes sense, too. She's there, yeah. Yeah, Now, I told my boss, I was like, my buddy Adam, um, because I met him, like, on the first film set I was ever on, I met Adam, right? And it's crazy because we did that right before COVID hit. And then I always knew he was working out and stuff. And he was always like, oh, we got to like, you know, we got to come come over. Like, you got to work out sometime because he always has his stuff in the garage. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll take you up on it, whatever. Then COVID hit. And I was like, I don't want to go into a gym and breathe that air. So then I hit mm-hmm. him up like, bro, remember when you said we could work out your garage? Like, can we do that? But can you also teach me? Right. Mm-hmm. So we did that for like three to four months. And then he was like, oh, yeah, um, I'm going to L.A. because that's always what he wanted to do. And right. then he was like, I'm finally doing it. And I'm like, well, good shit, bro. Do it. So mm-hmm. he went to L.A. Right. I bought I, he had taught me enough for me to buy my own workout set and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And my own workout bench. But now he's out there. And so he kept telling me, oh, bro, you need to come out here like it's dope. It's like you got to be out here so you can see this stuff. If this is the life you mm-hmm. want to live, you should probably come see it before you actually go there anyway. Right. So then mm-hmm. I hit him up. Uh, when Devin was talking to me and I was like, hey, if we can coordinate this right, depending on the dates that she gives me, like, could I just stay with you for a second? And he was like, yeah. So then I told her, I was like, my buddy got me. It's not too far away from where you're at. Like, just tell me a day and I'll be there. I will literally call out of work, not be at school, do whatever I got to do, bro. I was like, I will get there. Because she said, besides just, you know, helping her start this thing up, uh, potentially her giving me this internship and her paying me to do some work while I'm there. She's going to make these connections with like these different people in L.A. that I literally could not connect with if I was not physically there in person. Right. And obviously, you know, uh, whatever we do for the Emmys internship, she was like that. You know, we do that now. But if I'm chosen for it, it takes place next year. Mm-hmm. But it's also that benefit of um, just having that in my pocket, because she said she did that and she kept all of her materials. So she was like, this is what my resume looked like. This is the video that I did. This is what else mm-hmm. I did. And so she was like, well, where do you kind of want to land? And I was like, remember how we first met? And I told you, I want to do what you do. I was like, I still want to do what you do. That development side of, you know, I mean, yes, your name will probably be on stuff as producer, but it's like, you know, putting things into development. You no, know, you got this show in development or that show in development or you're in the writer's room and then stuff. I'm like, that's the stuff I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I told her, I was like, well, between her and you remember our script writing teacher, Jenny, between the two of them, as far as like a letter of recommendation, I'm set. Cause she's right. in there. She knows people. So they see her mm-hmm. name. They're going to be like, Oh, Devin, this is Devin's men- mentee. Right. But Jenny right. gave me the course director award in script writing. Anyway, I'm about to send you this. Um, no, I don't do this for just anybody. Now, uh, mm-hmm. MTV is doing a, um, 
a direct like it's a it's a uh, it's like an early directors um it's an early directors program so basically like um you working on any mtv television show uh or movie and mm. you're shadowing a director and then at the end of your program you get to direct an mtv original um, Bro, they're doing that right now yeah uh yeah they're looking for people um but they hit me up because they wanted me to apply but i don't want to do it so i'm about to send it yeah. over to you yeah good looking out because i actually messed around with my resume yesterday um while we were in the editing bay again for ty's track just to like make some like just see what my updated version of my resume looks like because i never updated it since i got to film school mm-hmm. bro remember how i always told you I-, I tell people on the tour stuff like oh i, lo- I lost track of how many film sets i've been on and then mm-hmm. i actually made the track like it's a lot like there's a lot of stuff on there as far as first ad credits second ad credits uh stuff that i've written produced and directed myself not counting mm-hmm. other things that i've been like an electric so for, for this mtv thing uh-huh. not, uh don't submit uh just okay i'm trying to think you're you'll read it you'll figure it out so it's first time film directors um so yeah you just read it and then you, you'll figure out how to do it yeah uh, but yeah bro, i was like as far as even just submitting that emmy thing i'm like my in, like my resume looks a lot better than i mean i always had credits on there right like mm-hmm. Cause remember I told you I came from the sports. Now you gotta think you going up against niggas at USC. You going against niggas yeah. at the prominent fucking film schools. Now this ain't no walking apart. Now full sale is cool and all, but the other there's other programs that dive straight only into just what you're wanting to do. So like they got a whole producers program, then they got a whole directors program, then they got a whole cinematographers program. So like that that's the difference between like full sale all of our accelerated program exactly because it's not focused on one thing and like a lot of these students coming out of film school they're already focused in their discipline so they're already trained on what to do and what not to do yeah whereas with us it's very much uh um it's a broad spectrum yeah it's a very broad spectrum that's like the one thing i like our accelerated programs and um when we do our daily tour stuff, the, the way that I like to put it in our speech is um, that they kind of like mold us to and stuff like that is that when it comes to full sale, like the name itself is a nautical term that means full speed ahead that reflects the rate and the position at which we want students to reach the destination because we believe it's the most uh, efficient way possible for them to do so. And the way that we kind of bill it is, oh, if you're a normal school, you'd spend four years in school. At full sale, you're going to spend two. So then you could spend the other two actually in the industry. So I feel like in that sense, it's a good thing and a bad thing because half of that means, oh, you're spending half your time in school. The other half, you're actually like boots on the ground learning. But it's also like when you're boots on the ground learning in the second, like two years, you're making mistakes because they wouldn't have had the time to teach you a lot of that while you were here. Like, remember how even Van did the Dolly Lab with us, where he taught us like the Dolly and how to lay Dolly track. And he only taught us that for like less than a day. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, and he remember he was literally like, if you're going to use this in FT2 two months later, you have to come back and see the class again when I'm teaching that again, because that's the only way you're going to learn it again. And I'm like, that's cool. But like, what if you were really seriously trying to be a camera op? Like, and the same thing with building the area Alexa, like you have to literally come in there on your free time, whenever Van's in there and just literally ask him, Hey, whenever, like, tell me, Give me a schedule whenever you're on the soundstage so I can get there. And the same time you're there, I'm going to be building this camera and taking it apart and building it. Like we have to seek that stuff out on our own, Mm -hmm. which is 
like you said, it's like the the side of our program a lot of people don't see. Right. And then going up against like USC or NYU or stuff like that, where like you said, they are very specifically narrow focused on the one thing. I can see how that might like in a competitive arena hold you back, you know? Because the guy next to you, if he wants to be a DP, but you're a DP, but his class was very specifically in being a cinematographer, it's like mm-hmm. you, you're you, at a disadvantage. It's going to go down mm-hmm. when you're next to that guy. Yep. Now, you know what I'm saying? I'm always of the mindset of whatever's for you is for you, whatever is right. not, it's not. So, you know, um, what was it? I saw something on Twitter the other day where some guy was saying something about it, it, he was in the new Law and Order Organized Crime, which is another great show that we'll be reviewing when it does drop season two. But um, he was saying something about he told his mom when he was up for the gig that he didn't know if he was going to get it because he's not classically trained like all these others actors are. And she was like, God qualifies the unqualified. That she just right. left it at that. And I was like, that's a good model to have. Like, I'm not, not necessarily that if you're not qualified or you're going to get it because God gave it mm-hmm. to you. But, you know, if it's yours, it's yours. But now, sometimes we don't know it, but that's why you take it on faith. And then, like I said, faith without works is dead. So you just do the best you can. You know what I mean? Right. right. And then you just kind of give it up to that. But to that whole point, though, um, that's how I like find these people. I literally just go on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Uh, like even even when I started the program, uh, I want to say it was around April, right before I shot my first film, I saw um, Full Sail's Instagram page posted this thing of this behind the scenes. And there, there was people doing this film, right? And I'm like, oh, they're probably for the bachelors. And then I saw somebody commenting, oh, yeah, I remember when I filmed that. And then they tagged different people that was in their crew. So then I saw her, like, clicked her page, click follow, just sent her a message and said, hey, I know you said you directed this film. I saw you commented on Full sales thing. You're in the film program. Hey, I'm in the film program, too. Is it possible we could talk one of these days just for a little bit so I could kind of pick your brain on some things, figure out how to make some things work? And then it was literally, she hit me up, like, five minutes later, like, yeah, like, that's cool. Like, yeah, that's cool. I'd love to do that. Like, let's set a time up to do it. And we talked for, like, an hour. Wow. And I, I didn't even know her. I still don't really know her, but I know of her, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. And she was even like, uh, by the time you get to the end of your program, you're going to be a way better director than you are now. So she's like, when that happens and then you start working on bigger projects and stuff, hit me up because I live in Philly, but I come to Florida all the time. And I'm like, where? Right. And then now I'm here. So now I'm like, I don't have anything spinning up that she could direct. But like, I remember that that talk we had. And then now I'm like, oh, the benefit of hindsight, like I have actually become a better like director now than I was back then, you know? So hindsight's 2020, but it's literally like those are the, I don't want to say they're dumb ways of hitting people up, but it's like the most obvious that would seem like the least obvious because it's the most awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just be like, oh, hey, uh, I went to film school. Yeah, you in the film school too. Oh, yeah, we both went to full sale. You think you can give me some pointers or something like that? Like, I mean, you don't say it like that, but that's what you think in your head. You know what I mean? Right. So that's why a lot of people just don't make those connections. But it's like, I had no problem doing that because I like to talk people's heads off all the time. Hence why the first production week we were ever on, I was door PA, so I could literally just talk, 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 talk. Because if I was in there sitting in a chair, I couldn't talk. That's how I met Bird and everybody, like, way before you guys did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it all balances out in the end, like I always like to say. Thanks. But, um, but we can go ahead and get into it, though. So yeah, for everyone listening, great. welcome back to episode two of Bing Production. Oh, 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 oh. you hear that water in the background? Nah. Okay, all right. As you? Long as you don't hear nothing. Wait, yeah, is yeah, water in your apartment? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying it's like my girlfriend's running water, so I just want to make oh. sure you can't hear it. Oh, no, nah, you straight, man. All right, but Yeah. But yeah, uh, so for everyone listening, welcome back to uh, Bing Productions uh, on air episode two. Um, I'm joined, as always, by my friend Paul Stewart. 
Yep, what up? We're both in the film master's program at Full Sail, and this podcast is literally just two guys that love film, just talking about everything going on in the world of movie and movie news and film television and all that good stuff, all that good stuff. And then just talking about what's going on in our personal lives, too, since both of us are plugged into the industry, sort of giving you guys a behind-the-scenes look, if you will. So, Stu, I know you like anime. Ooh. I personally, I've never been able to get into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the only anime I've ever really watched like that is Dragon Ball. Cause who didn't grow up watching Dragon Ball, right? Right, right, right. Then Dragon Ball Super and all that. But like, uh, I've never really been able to get into it. Now, everybody, like literally everybody I know is like, mm-hmm. you have to watch anime. You have to watch this anime. You have to watch that anime. I'm like, yeah. it's never could. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. But I know you really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So um, like the whole reason why I'm in film is because of anime. Um, like when I was younger, uh, like the very first anime I've ever watched was of course, uh, Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I feel like that's everybody. I feel like as a young African-American, like that's yeah. everybody's first anime. Yeah. Um, because like, it's, it's, it's real, it's literally everywhere. Um, but, <clears throat> uh, as I was watching Dragon Ball Z, um, the character development, it just it did something to me it's like mm-hmm. you could like literally build upon these characters each week and then still have me want to tune in because i want to see what the fuck happens yeah um and that was very slow if you look at like the original dragon ball z mm-hmm. like the, the fact that they dragged it out for as many episodes as they did with a lot mm-hmm. of them being filler but you were still like you didn't care because it's dragon right. ball Z. like mm-hmm. that's, it's interesting to see like how that transformed in the current day you know what i mean yeah facts and so like like you said yeah there is a it's a whole lot of filler um but it 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 made me want to like learn more about the characters and it made me just want to tune in and so like after i started watching dragon ball then i got into manga uh which is like a comic book version of it's, it's basically comic books in japan or in asia i don't want to like say japan yeah. uh and so I started reading manga uh, or manga, however you say it. And um, then I got into Naruto and Naruto just changed. It changed everything. Um, So like I was literally watching that joint faithfully. You feel what I'm saying? Just faithfully watching it. And uh, I built up this relationship with the characters that um, like I'm, I'm getting tattoos of, 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 of it because it was such uh, an imprint in my life. Yeah. And so um yeah anime it, it literally it changed my my whole viewpoint on character development and story um and it helped me to broaden my horizons when it came into actually working on my own films um, because I wasn't so just caught up with like the look of things but I was also caught up with okay can I build upon this character can I make it make him a little bit more suspicious can I uh give him a little bit more personality you feel what I'm saying can I make him more human like yeah. because that's what them Naruto uh, characters were to me they were humans you feel what I'm saying they were literally human beings that were walking the earth with me and so it was mad uh it, it was mad eye-opening to be able to experience something like that and I'm always trying to like fight to get back to that point um in my life where I was uh when I first seen Naruto and it just changed me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like a lot of filmmakers are looking for that first 
uh, that first time where they were just like, wow, what the hell is this? You know what I'm saying? And like, it it just changed uh, not only like the notion of their life, but like the notion of their storytelling. And that's what impacts people the most. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, like whenever like a black person or uh, any other person comes and asks me like, uh, bro, like, do you watch anime? Yes, nigga, you should too, especially as a filmmaker, especially as a storyteller. Anime is literally, it delves right into what we do on a daily basis. And it, it, it doesn't hurt you. It just helps you for real. Yeah. I think it does. It hits on something when it comes to storytelling. Um, like I said, I grew up with Dragon Ball. And like you said, with being like African-American, that's kind of like a given. All African-American kids, uh, black kids grow up like kind of with Dragon Ball Z. But I remember like as far as um, Saturday mornings, right? Like whenever Saturday morning cartoons would uh, come on TV, um, Pokemon was always in there, right? Uh, Naruto was always in there. Bakugan was always in there. Stuff that you would say, oh, like these do fall into the realm of anime, right? And I, back then, obviously, I was a kid. I never thought of them as anime, but I was like, oh, these shows are dope, right? Like the way they do them is dope. The storytelling is dope, all this stuff like that. Like I would, I literally, and this is how I, I sort of credit my um, becoming a storyteller, so to speak, back then. I mean, those were mixed in with a bunch of different cartoons that would show on like Cartoon Network and stuff like that, right? But mm-hmm. like, that was my excuse to myself at that young of an age to wake up mad early before everybody else in my house did. Cause I was like, all these cartoons start showing at 6 a.m. So if I wake up at like 8.30 or 9 or my mom make, wakes me up then, and then she's like, oh, hey, we got to go to the store or whatever. It's like I would have missed whatever was on TV and that started at 6 a.m. So that's literally how I started waking up early, right? And um, like I said, I credit that to all the shows that Cartoon Network showed back then as a kid, like 2005, 6, 7, 8, stuff like that. But anime was sort of in there with, um, like you said, stuff like Naruto and stuff like that. And personally, I never really got too deep into it, but I always appreciated it. Right. And then um, the older I got, the more, again, I still didn't really touch anime, still haven't really today. But I was able to recognize, oh, the thing I was really drawn to when it came to anime was like the lore, Mm -hmm. because there's so much lore in anime right yeah, it's like each individual anime has its own just like you could create a whole book of lore on mm-hmm. like where these things come from what the history of this object is what the history of these people are how that connects to this and this and this and that and so i was like oh this is wild like that right. blew mine right right but like the way they did it it's still it still like amazes me and so again i never really got into it. i need to though because yeah. I even meet people who say, oh, some of the best storytelling is in anime. And I'm like, that's facts. I right. haven't like, watched any personally for myself to know that like that deep, but I'm mm-hmm. aware of that aspect, right? And so to that whole point, I was surprised when uh, last year at, I want to say it was Disney's investors meeting. Yeah, it was their investors mm-hmm. meeting that they had in December of 2020. And, you know, they were talking about all the stuff that was going to happen. And, you know, uh, the new president, Bob Chapek, was there. Bob mm-hmm. Iger made an appearance. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, President Lucasfilm, made an appearance. And she said they were going to do this show, Star Wars Visions, right? They didn't say anything of what it was going to be. So I was right. like, oh, another another Star Wars show. Cool. Star Wars is killing it right now, animation anyway. So mm-hmm. whatever y'all got, like, you know, that meme, like, take my money. Like, right. I'll watch whatever y'all put out. And then uh, the, the further we got, we found out that, oh, like, it's anime. 
And mm. so then I was like, huh, how's that going to look? And then mm. they dropped that trailer, right? Um, and then uh, this comes to us from Deadline, where they said Disney Plus has released the trailer and unveiled the Japanese and English dub voice cast for Star Wars Visions, its upcoming anthology series from Lucasfilm, composed of short films. That part I like, because obviously we're in film school, we make short films, right. uh, centered on the Star Wars universe. And the series launches September 22nd, so that's not too far away. Yeah, a and month away. They uh, said about how Lucasfilm partnered with seven of the most talented anime studios in Japan to bring mm-hmm. their signature style and unique vision to Star Wars so that their stories, uh, they wrote, showcase the full spectrum and bold storytelling found across Japanese animation, each told with a freshness and a voice that expands our understanding of what Star Wars can be. Uh, goes on to talk about how it celebrates a galaxy that has an inspiration of visionary storytellers. But also they made the mark to say, because this was anime and they wanted to give these guys like the free will and free reign to do everything that anime does in and of itself. Cause you know, as far as anime storytelling, as amazing Mm. as it is, a lot of it can be for lack of a better term, exaggerate. Right. But that's just Mm. built into the unique DNA. But Mm. they said that when it came to that, in order to preserve that part of anime storytelling, it wasn't going to be canon. Mm. Everything they did is just like, they just gave them the license to just do whatever they wanted to do. Right. Mm. And then they dropped that new trailer. And I mean, the shots in the old trailer look fantastic. Shots in this new trailer, I was like, yo, they're really going anime, anime. Mm-hmm. Like this stuff looks Japanese. Like they have right. a, a guy wearing like the hat that looks like Japanese. The framing stuff looks like anime. Even the mm-hmm. shot composition, they even had one shot where it was this, this old guy talking, classic anime. Mm-hmm. You always got your mm-hmm. classic old mentor, right? He's talking mm-hmm. to some young person. He takes out the box, opens the box, and typical anime is a sword. In Star Wars, it's a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, they're really taking anime and like putting it with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't really watch anime too much, but this interested me, right? Mm-hmm. But I was like, let me get your perspective because I know you watch anime. You mm-hmm. love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So then to you, with them combining both, is it like the best of both worlds? Um. All right, so yeah, you know, I watched the trailer. Of course, as soon as they, uh, as soon as I heard the buzz about you filming it being a Star Wars anime, I was very intrigued um, because I really, I like to keep um, certain things separate. Um, uh, I like I like to keep my American cartoons separate from my uh, Asian cartoons um, or my Japanese cartoons um, because. Uh, it's a different feeling when I'm watching one or the other. And so watching the trailer, I was kind of surprised that um, the type of anime style that they used, it really wasn't like a modern style of anime. I was really expecting like a, like a My Hero. You're not going to really know what, what these animes are, but I was really expecting like a My Hero Academia type of style. Or I heard of it though. Um, yeah, My Hero, My Hero is probably one of like if you want to get into anime right now, like it's the perfect time to get into My Hero because it's not a lot of episodes, and so you can catch up sooner. Um, and so like that's that's always like like if somebody comes up to me now and like asks me like, uh, well, what's the anime I can get into right now? I instantly tell them. Uh, my hero or cowboy bebop because it's not that many episodes and so like you can really catch up and you can like you you can be a part of the fandom my cowboy is done so uh it's really no more episodes of that but my hero it's still going on right now and so 
you can like literally play catch up and be a part of the like community if that's what you want to do um but anyway so um i was really that that that's what style was really um expecting and when i had seen it it just more of uh all right so in like in naruto there are certain fight scenes where it's it's just sketched like yeah. it's sketched with color added to it and that's what this star wars thing looked to me mm. um i'm not disappointed because i'm definitely gonna watch it um but i would like if if you if you're if this is your introduction into anime and like if this is what gets you turned on to anime then i suggest like you watch it dubbed first like don't watch it subbed because it's gonna take away the it's gonna take away the effect um from it being an anime because me the the thing that really stands out about anime is it being dubbed um because you're literally listening to a second language but you're you're able to understand the story still you feel yeah. what i'm saying and like, that's subject a, dubbed dubbed so like english dubbed oh no 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 fuck that no 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 my bad yeah you're right no no sub so you want to start with like, like oh it's in japanese but i'm watching yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to start with sub yeah facts my bad i, I apologize it's something you different wanna... about the sub when you hear it in japanese like you're reading it in english of course but mm-hmm. like when you hear that japanese it do something it hit different That's yeah it, it it it's because your brain is trying to figure out well what are you listening to because it it, it yeah. sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo you feel what i'm saying but as you dwell into the story and as you start to understand your characters more, it's almost like you start to understand a little bit. Like you're like you sat in front of the this this program for 135 episodes. Straight Japanese, bro, you damn near your, your, your brain is starting to get accustomed to, OK, well, what does this word mean and what does this mean? And so now you're starting to understand your characters in their native language. And so it's a it's a whole totally different experience being able to start that journey with them uh within their their major language and then in that journey with them with that major language and then i would suggest like as soon as you're done watching it sub then watch it dubbed you feel what i'm saying because now you now you then you can hear it in in your native tongue and you can have a whole totally different experience you feel what i'm saying and so i'm kind of excited to see what what visions is going to do um because uh yeah lucas films is, is definitely killing it in the game right now and mm-hmm. uh I, I i'm really excited i would definitely see if, if it's not up to my hype i'm not gonna watch it because i'm quick to uh not watch uh like i'm quick like if the story it, isn't capturing yeah. isn't capturing me i'm quick to turn it off and i don't give a fuck and so uh if i feel like visions is like that then i'm quick to turn it off and i i won't care and i'm will not like be phased about uh watching it again because it's just not my cup of tea but if it, this is like to get the new generation into anime i'm definitely here for it and i support that no matter what because a lot of times um kids are bullied because they watch anime i know like when i was in high school or and uh, uh you know like this it started as soon as i left junior high like everybody was watching it in junior high but then as i transitioned into high school it was just like Oh, you still watch that? Like you're a cornball, you feel what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. um it, it it's about like still being able to come out and just be like, oh, I support this fully and I love this fandom, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, just keeping it going for the next generation, like for my daughter. And then 
or her friends you feel what i'm saying like keeping that uh that character development building and going uh because there's a lot of americans that are in animation right now who grew up on anime you feel what i'm saying and mm-hmm. um just because you grew up on it doesn't mean you need to be a part of it but yeah uh it's awesome to have that that second side of yourself you feel what i'm saying when you're coming to the drawing table yeah and it, I, I think it's also interesting how it said the uh the part about seven studios because you know you have your normal look of how normal anime looks right but mm-hmm. it's like with if you sort of go deeper into it and you say oh okay this studio created naruto this studio created one punch man this studio mm-hmm. created my hero academia this one created demon slayer like some of them do as much as they are anime you can see the distinct differences that come from those different studios so like even when i was watching the star wars visions trailer and they were doing the part in the trailer where they were cutting up different uh clips from just the different episodes i'm like some of these do look not drastically different than others they still look like anime but you can tell oh somebody else made this right you know what i mean mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm probably gonna check out all all the episodes just to see how it goes mm-hmm. but I'm interested to see, like, if they say, oh, this studio made this episode and then this studio made this episode, but then the first studio also made episode three. I'm interested to watch them like like that with that lens and be like, oh, which one of these do I like better? You know, because mm-hmm. that could be also a uh, a nice entry point, if you will, into my finding out well, which anime do I kind of want to look into, like, after the Star Wars vision thing goes. Because if I like all oh, the studio that did one and three, what has that studio done with anime, you know? If I didn't like this one, then do I need to watch this anime that came from them? Like, you know what I mean? So it's interesting to see how, like, what what routes that could sort of take me down. But mm-hmm. I was very, like, it, it just intrigues me. Like, I'm not, like, hype, hype for it. But it's, um, I feel like it's, it is a smart, to just go into the realm of, like, business. It's a smart business move on their part to capitalize on the success and the uh, fandom that is anime. And then capitalize on their own fandom of Star Wars and say, hey, here's a Star Wars anime. And then all the anime people that are Star Wars fans are going to be like, yo, y'all just did that. You know what I mean? Like, they'll automatically be sold. You know what I mean? And then you got your normal people who just not really into anime, but you like Star Wars. And then you're like, let me check this out. So it's a nice, like, business move on their part, I'll say. Because I'll tell you one thing, too. Like, when Star Wars, do you remember when Star Wars was doing, like, the, the comic book joints? Yep. All right. So <laughs> I was like very crucial in like saving up my money and buying them joints because like I love art and like the yeah. artwork in them books. It was just like, well, what the fuck is this shit? And so um yeah, man, I'm 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 really excited to to see how this shit play out and uh hopefully it's not a bomb or a tank and it's something that like you know what I'm saying I could rave about and really be proud of, but if it's not, then they're definitely going to hear about it. And I'm not going <laughs> to let them live that shit down because like that, that is terrible. Cause then once star Wars does it, you got to think about how many other, other people are going to try to like step into the realm. You feel what I'm saying? And that's what I'm, that's what I'm really weird about. That's what I don't want to happen. Um, I don't want like a whole bunch of, like things that I grew up on turning straight towards anime because you're not an anime type of thing. You feel what I'm saying? Like, yeah. stay to your roots. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and if Star Wars does it for like the uniqueness of it, even if Star Wars mm-hmm. can pull it off, it's like not every uh, brand could pull that off. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, say they take, uh, I mean, Marvel's sort of dipped in this before, I believe, but say, like, they took uh, Marvel stuff and they're like, oh, we're going to do Marvel anime. And they took DC stuff, like, we're going to do DC anime. Like, you'd be like, eh, I don't know if y'all should do that. And then it might, like, sour the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I can see exactly what you're saying with that. I mean, you know, like they say at the end of the day, um, time will tell as mm-hmm. to whether it is a successful venture for um for them versus you know them having not even touched it at all mm-hmm. but uh you know i mean we'll see how that goes you know time, like i said time will tell yeah, uh, but to that same point of business though that can sort of glide us into our second topic here um so there's a lot of people out there right and they're like they know robert pattinson as twilight guy right personally i'll tell you i've never seen twilight ever oh my god bro now i was aware when twilight was hype right but i was also like because you know like this this mindset i will say was born out of the thing of oh like you're like oh you're like i ain't trying to watch no twilight i only watch that stuff like oh i'm on a date and then the girl's like let's watch twilight and then i'm like where whatever i'll watch it right but to that point i just never saw the need right because i was like Mm -hmm. i know the books were successful i know that's how they made the movies they broke the movies up into like what five uh, yeah, I think it's uh, one. It was like the first two, one, the second one. There was a third one, and then they split like the last one up into two movies. Both yeah, of th- which I, I think won. it's only I think it's only four. No, it's five. It's five. It's five. It's five. It's five. Yeah, you're right. It's five. So yeah. it was five. Mm-hmm. Now I I will say to that same point of again sticking in that business realm, those Twilight mm-hmm. movies made a lot of money. Yeah, like a lot. They grossed over three point four billion dollars worldwide between all five films. Like. Mm-hmm. That is some crazy big money. But I think it mm-hmm. showed them what was possible, right? Like, mm-hmm. the first one made, like, $400 million at the box office, which mm-hmm. is good money for a yeah. film. On a budget of, like, 37 you made 400 Yeah. More than doubled your investment. Right, correct. Right? They, they bumped the budget up to, like, $50 million for the second one. Mm-hmm. It made $709 million. Mm-hmm. So you're doing something there, right? Mm-hmm. next one came out because these literally dropped 2008 9 10 11 12 right mm-hmm. so 2010 then they're like okay uh then when they dropped um it was like some kind of combo thing that didn't mm-hmm. really have a budget but that just like added more money to the first one so like by this point they're two movies in right so 2008 was first one nine was the second one. Third one came out in 2010 bumped the budget up again 68 mm-hmm. million it made 698 million, not as much as the second one, but literally right. only like a $10 million difference. So right. on a budget of 68, you can still make like 698 million. Mm-hmm. Again, you're doing something because you're making these movies on a really low budget and you're right. like making a lot of money. So then the next one, because obviously the, the Breaking Dawn one was like, oh, Twilight's ending, you know, we finna go out on a bang. Right. So part one, they put 110 million into it. And for part two, they put 136 million, right? Mm-hmm. Part one made 712 million at the box office. Part two made 829 million. So all in all, they like made a lot of. I forget who cre- who was the the production company behind that. I want to say it was Lions. No, it was Summit Entertainment. That's it. That's Summit Entertainment. Yeah, they made a lot of money off that, right? Right. To that same point, as far as uh, when it comes to not just films, but television as well. The longer a brand or a franchise sticks around, the more popular it becomes, hopefully. And the more popular it becomes to a studio, the more money you have to pay those people 
to come back, right? Mm-hmm. To come back when their contracts are done, but even more so, they have them built in that, oh, if this project goes on for, in television, right? If this mm-hmm. goes for five years, then I know if I'm signing this contract that I'm going to be on the show for five years, by season five, I will be making this much money versus what I'm making right now, right? Mm-hmm. And so they do a similar deal when it does come to the world of film, because you know once you sign something oh there's a potential for a sequel right they say oh this might go this place this might go that place especially if it's based off books then you sort of have a roadmap already of knowing where this begins where it ends how much money you can make in between but nobody knew how much twilight was going to blow up right Right. when it started robert pattinson i want to say got paid i don't know the exact amount they got paid pretty good for the first one right but you know nobody knew it was going to blow up then it did then he became a mega movie star right Dude made, you know how they have the term buku bucks. He made mm-hmm. buku bucks off that movie. Like by the time it was finished, he got paid, I want to say $30 million for the last Twilight movie. Mm-hmm. Or just one appearance in the last Twilight movie, he made $30 million, not counting how much he was paid for everything else, right? Not mm-hmm. even counting potential back end points. So like mm-hmm. dude's still living off Twilight money. And right. when that happened, right, and Twilight was over, it was like 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Stewart went her way. Uh, Taylor Lautner's career went down the drain, truth be told. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Pattinson just went on to do whatever he wanted to do. And because he had the money he did from Twilight, he could mm-hmm. literally afford to live whatever lifestyle he wanted to or right. do whatever with his career he wanted to because, like it or not, his career was made. Even right. if people were like, oh, he's a Twilight guy, you know his face. Yeah. Right? And, and, and still to this day, like Robert Pattinson can't go anywhere. Can't without, go anywhere like, without somebody noticing them. Um, for the like I said, for the for the people listening, um, Stewie and I, the, one of the advantages of us being at Full Sail and the Masters program is that we're taught by people who you know have encountered different things in the industry. For example, our teacher now, Bird. I, I never told you this. Bird told me he was fired off a set by Scarlett Johansson what? because he literally thought she was something that she wasn't. And so you know how they they ask PAs for stuff. Uh, he was a PA. But he thought she was a PA. So he went mm. to her and he was like, uh, we ran out of mashed potatoes and fruit snacks. Can I have some more of those? Like in 30 minutes, dude was fired. Wow. <laughs> That's just how the industry works, though, right? Um, and remember that story Georg told where he said he had a buddy who was uh, Robert Pattinson's um, some kind of thing, like his connection or like his. Oh, I forgot uh, about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember, he was like, they went to a restaurant and they literally had to sneak him in the back and then sneak him in a whole mm-hmm. van and throw a whole cover over him and all this stuff so the paparazzi wouldn't see him and he couldn't even eat in there for five minutes before they were like, sir, we got to move. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy because with that celebrity lifestyle comes like, you literally can't go anywhere. But that being said, like I said, his money was made, right? So um, after he did all the Twilight stuff, which again ended in 2012, he went on to do these mad low budget films that a lot of people have never heard of, but it helped him a hone his acting chops, right? B become more of a dramatic actor because Twilight, he had to like play it a certain way. Mm-hmm. So this helped him become like more of a well-rounded actor, if you will. Mm-hmm. And again, he hit these movies that most people didn't know about, but there are movies that either did good. He gave like a stellar performance in them or whatever. So it was good enough for him to still continue his career on the low while having his money made so he didn't have to make any big moves right so he did uh that those for like a couple things and then most people knew some of the stuff he was in if you were plugged into the film world but like the average movie goer was probably like i haven't seen robert pattinson in a long time what's twilight guy doing and then 
come uh, last year, 2020, pops up in Tenet, right? Yeah. You see him in the trailer. As soon as I saw that trailer, uh, th- this is why, like, I love uh, watching stuff with my brother. Because my brother mm-hmm. isn't into, like, he's in the film like we are, but not to the level we are. So, mm-hmm. like, while we present represent that more, um, you know, you're more, like, uh, deeper into it. He's more like your average film-going fan, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, case in point, when the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropped, and we both watched it, you know what his reaction was? It wasn't, oh, Spider-Man's cool, all this other stuff. Oh, look, Mysterio, Nick Fury. You know what he said? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Is that Jake Gyllenhaal? I'm like, that's your reaction? <laughs> this whole trailer? He's like, bro, is that Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio? Why did they do that? Now, of course, we watched the movie. Then he was like, dude, killed it. But that was his, like, he gives these funny reactions to, like, film stuff. Like, he thinks of the thing that nobody will think of. The fun thing he caught in that whole trailer was, that's Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio. Why they do that? Right? So when we watched the Tenet trailer, he was like, is that Twilight guy? I'm like, I think that's him, bro. He was like, man, I'm not watching that movie, right? But especially because COVID hit. So he was like, I ain't. He didn't feel the need to even go to movie theater. He only really went when, like, I would tell him, like, bro, this movie came out. Let's go see it. Like, it's going to be dope. And then he'd take my word for it because he knows I wanted to do film stuff like right. I do now, right? So mm-hmm. uh, when I saw it, everybody was like, oh, Twilight guy, Twilight guy. And he's going to suck in Tenet, right? But remember, he had been cast as the Batman. So I was like, I've never really seen Robert Pattinson act because I never saw Twilight. So I couldn't judge how good of a bad of an actor he was once I saw his work. So I was like, I was going to watch Tenet anyway, right? Christopher Nolan was heavily pushing it. Um, Nolan was like, this is going to be the thing that brings people back to the movies. It wasn't because we were still too early in COVID. But I wanted to get back in the movie theater because the last movie I saw pre-COVID was Sonic. And mm-hmm. then I remember when we saw Sonic, movie theaters were like um, empty, like mad empty. Yeah. And I was like, that's when I knew COVID was going to be a thing. I was like, I had sort of been listening to what people were saying. I knew that it was going around, but you know, like people were like, oh, it's going to be like Ebola. It's going to come and go. But then when I went to the movies and the movies were empty, I was like, yeah, COVID ain't going nowhere. And to this day, 9.05 p.m., August 22nd, 2021, COVID's still here. So it's like, I knew that shit would happen, but I was like, I ain't going to let that stop me from going to the movies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I went to the movies and I saw Tenet. He gave a great performance in Tenet. Like, Mm -hmm. terrific performance. Have you seen it? Yeah, it was it, okay. Uh, we are we are talking about tenant, bro. That's, uh, that's a whole other topic for another. Day. Yeah, man, that's a whole other type of thing. We uh, for, for this segment, I I'm a, I'm gonna be like so so. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, yeah, just, yeah. I'm gonna just give you the so so. Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah. So like, I watched it. His performance was good. Everything mm-hmm. else aside, I was like Robert Pattinson killed. So I was like, if this is the guy that's gonna play Batman, and he just did this. And he's walking like there. I was remember there was one particular scene. Spoilers for now. Batman and <laughs> Batman yeah. and Tenet are two totally completely different this things. Right? Is not but, gonna be a good Batman, bro. But, um, already, listen, we, we can argue that point. We're about to get into that one though. We're about to get into that one though, right? So I was like, uh, again, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Tenet. There's the one scene where he's walking through, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah," and uh, I forget what his name was. He was like, "Did we have this here, and we have this art piece here, and this one here?" And dude's just walking around with his hands in his pockets, looking around. But the whole time he's like there on the the mission thing, so he's like planting little stuff, and he's like checking the cameras on. I was like, if he's gonna be Bruce Wayne, I, I, I could kind of, I could see it, right? That's what I said. But I was like, I gotta wait till they drop a trailer for the Batman. Uh, then they did DC Fandom, right? And then they dropped the trailer for the Batman because I remember mm-hmm. I was in my room 
watching it on my giant curved 65 inch 4k ultra hd tv mm-hmm. had the lights out and they dropped mm-hmm. that trailer and i was like what the fuck this is batman like this is gonna be our batman mm-hmm. i was like um i mean i know uh matt reese is directing it same guy did mm-hmm. planet of the apes so mm-hmm. he was very much on a thing of um he was going to lean more into like the detective side of Batman, right? Because right, most right. other movies kind of hadn't. It was more so like the other movies were more so Batman, Bruce Wayne, his life, rich playboy, whatever. But he was like, I'm going to lean more into the detective side, hence the Riddler being in the trailer. But right. I was like, hmm, from the little bit I saw, I, I kind of dig it. And then mm-hmm. they showed his Bat costume, which at first I was like, that shit looks stupid. What? It looks ass. Like, yes, what is bro. this? But then I was like, wait a minute. Batman Year One, which is when he took inspiration from Batman's costume, was not fully the Bat costume we all know and love. So I was like, okay, if this is his prototype, I can dig it. Because even mm. his Bat symbol does not look like a Bat symbol. It looks like the like the the barrel, not the barrel, the part that you hold on a gun with your hand split mm. in two. And then yeah. some people on the internet was like, what if that's the gun that killed his parents? I was like, shit. I like that. But um, but I was like, his costume, it, it, it didn't sell me, but I was like, I got to wait to see it in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. But overall, I was like, um, oh, this Batman thing sort of had me hyped. Like, that was, I remember I watched, they showed it once and they were like, that was great. Let's show it again. And they showed it again. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's not that bad. So uh, fast forward to now, Batman was supposed to be out now. And mm-hmm. I believe they delayed it to next year just due to COVID because once everything shifted, once you move one movie and then one studio, other studios are like, I'm going to move my movie too. Everything mm-hmm. starts moving. So it's like you couldn't overcrowd 2021. You had to move some things into 2022. That's where Batman right. did, right? So <laughs> we'll see how that movie goes when it comes out. But when it came to like, uh, again, sticking on that business side of things, it was reported by like Screen Rant that Robert Pattinson's only getting paid three mil to be Batman, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody was complaining because they were like, how is he getting paid $3 million to be the Batman? Mm-hmm. But Chris Hemsworth is getting paid $40 million for Thor 4. Mm. Now, in my mind, I'm like, there's no comparison there because this is a new iteration of Batman. Yeah. He's been doing these low-budget films, so he does not have the clout to demand that you pay me this much money yet. And Hemsworth mm. has been playing Thor for, like, literally for 10 years now in mm. multiple MCU films, a lot of them which were successful even right. his last solo movie made almost 800 million at the box office. He was a big mm-hmm. draw when it came to Infinity War with the whole Wakanda scene. And so basically, Helmsworth has earned his way to that 40 million. Pattinson right. hasn't yet. So I was right. like, why? Some people were debating, oh, Pattinson should get paid because ba- what Batman's getting paid 3 million and Thor 40 million? Yeah. Right. You got to think of who's portraying it. When Helmsworth started, he didn't get paid that much. He was a relative unknown, too. Same right. with Tom Hilton. Now they're getting paid big Buku bucks. But to that whole point, because I know you're sort of plugged into like the business side of the industry too. Mm-hmm. How do how do you see that? Like, do you fall on the side of the argument like, oh yeah, Pattinson should get paid more to portray Batman because it's Batman? Mm-hmm. Or are you like, nah, he hasn't earned that yet? The the thing that a lot of people don't understand is the like you gotta separate your artist from you gotta separate your actor from their movies. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just because Robert Patterson played a fuck. I mean, I'm not gonna cuss. Just because Robert Patterson played a vampire in Twilight and made 30, 40, 50, 60 million dollars. Uh, this is this is a whole totally different genre of movie now. You feel what I'm saying? Now you're dealing with lifelong fans of a superhero. You feel what I'm saying? And yes, it is Robert Patterson, but 
he ain't gave me no good <laughs> acting skills since Twilight, if we don't be honest. Okay. Because uh, so, so I mean we'll get into it on another podcast on another mm-hmm. day. But oh, overall, you didn't really like his acting intended then? Nigga, please. I don't <laughs> what? Nigga, what? <laughs> if we're gonna be all honest, bro. No, not at all. I did not, I didn't see him like. I didn't even know why they casted him, bro. I was really upset the entire time. You feel what I'm saying? Because I'm like, <laughs> this it, you could have picked somebody completely different and it could have had a totally completely different feel than Robert Vampire Loving Patterson. You feel <laughs> what I'm saying? And, and maybe it's because of me, because I do see him as, you feel me, Edward Cullen. Yeah. Um, and But I'm getting to the place where I have to separate the actor from the movie. And just because it's Robert Patterson, I feel like Tenet, I feel like, this is, I, this is what I feel like. I feel like Tenet got Robert Patterson because they were like, oh, we can tap into this whole different genre now. You feel what I'm saying? We got this whole different markup. Yeah. Women are going to come see the movie. Yeah. Um, and in my, in my case, that wasn't the case at all. You feel what I'm saying? Nobody could care less about Robert Patterson playing uh what, what they were they, they weren't even CIA. They were I don't even know, bro. Like I don't the, know what they were. His name they, all I know is his name was Neil. Thank and, you, bro. Uh they didn't even the the guy who John uh John David Washington played, they mm-hmm. didn't even really give him a name. He was yeah, bro. protagonist. Thank you, bro. I'm I'm just in the thing, oh, like bro, is he I, I'm gonna just call him Interpol because at this point that's what they bid to me, Interpol, right? They were just CIA like something. Yeah, they were like government spies. And like they could have picked a whole totally different person other than damn Robert Patterson. Now yeah. that's on tenant side. On Batman side, bro, why the why the fuck would you pick Robert <laughs> Patterson to play Batman? Why? Like what what my thing is <laughs> why why in your mind would Robert Patterson play Batman? Uh, listen. Somebody we've seen play soft-spoken Edward Cullen. Somebody who had no backbone unless he was around Bella. Yeah. Like, well, you haven't really seen Twilight, bro. He he's I haven't seen bro, it, but Robert is, is portrayed part, right? as a as a as a simp, as he's a low-level. Right? Like this is the uh, not to interrupt you, but this is the funny part, right? I never watched Twilight, right? But I went to school, um, you know, in like a, a private school. And so uh, there wasn't a lot of people of our skin color, right? So not a whole lot of people watching like the normal things we watched. And right. there was these one girls or whatever. And I was like, oh, you know, I like them. So, I, you know, just whatever. So we'd be hanging out doing stuff, whatever. And, you know, classic dude stuff. And they were like, oh, he's like, we want to watch Vampire Diaries. I was like, what the fuck is that? I don't right, know. Right, right. They're like, no, no, let's watch it. Let's watch it. You know, right. you the dude, the girl saying, let's do it. You like, word, I'm down, whatever. Yep, yep. So I did it. Yep. So I watched Vampire Diaries. I was like, Oh, again, the lore. I was like, the lore in this show is not that bad. The writing was. I was like, this. and they people told me, oh, uh, Vampire Diaries is a is a, a Twilight ripoff. They were like the character, oh the character, they said the character of Stefan, whatever the last Salvatore. The character of Stefan Salvatore is a ripoff of Edward Cullen. That's what people told me. I was like, if Edward Cullen acts like how Stefan acts in this show, it's on some simp stuff. Like I can't breathe unless she's near me. Like what? Nigga, this, this this is this is my problem. This is my whole problem with Twilight. Like my whole like because okay. So when first of all, Summit took a chance with Twilight. Nobody was expecting it to do what it was supposed to do. Um, now 
I was I okay, so I was I read the books. Okay, I was a, I was I was low key a fan. You feel what I'm saying? Like I loved, like I love them. I love different topics. I love that shit. Um, and so you read the Twilight books? Yes, nigga. Don't don't huh. judge me, bro. Don't don't judge me, bro. It was it was. It was I'm not gonna judge you. I read the Hunger Games. Uh, whatever the last movie listen, listen. was, the Hunger Games and Twilight. That's different. Two, That's two different things. Listen, bro. This they fall into like story. that YA novel kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. Twilight shit is, is straight love. You feel what I'm saying? And that's what <laughs> you gotta take it as when you're watching it. Their weird CGI baby in the last movie. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> but hey, well, that's a whole different thing. When you're watching this, bro, you don't you're not looking at Robert Patterson as like that alpha male, as that one dude where in his hands nothing can go wrong because he's a simp. He's a punk. He's a lame over uh a, a, a a lack of better terms over a girl who isn't worth the day of night. You feel what I'm saying? She's not. I, 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 I never watched I don't, under, I don't know. I don't understand why anybody would chase Christmas through it around. Like when it came to Vampire Diaries, right? They mm. made a compelling spoilers for anybody who's ever not seen that show, but mm. they made the compelling argument that the reason Stefan fell in love with Elena was because Elena was a doppelganger of the girl that he was. Uh, he had actually not simped over, but actually fell in love with Catherine like mm. centuries ago. Mm. So Elena looked like a duplicate of Catherine. So then he was like, oh, I can't help myself because she looks identical to yeah, the other classic, girl. And then the other classic, girl showed up later and that was like all crazy shit. So I was yeah. like, I can understand mm. in that one sort of kind of why he'd be like, because you know, some people like if you meet somebody and then, right. you know, you cool with them, y'all start a relationship, whatever, but then stuff doesn't work out. But then like a year later or two years later or something like that, typically they say you end up with somebody who looks just like that old person. But if you find someone who literally like looks like an exact duplicate of that person, even though they're not twins or whatever, you probably be like, I, like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like you probably would pursue that because it's technically a different person with a different personality, but they look the same. So right. with Vampire Diaries, I was like, I kind of get it. With Twilight, I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> there's a um there's actually like a an animated series right now it's like anime influenced it's called castlevania and i've heard of that yeah Isn't it's basically Netflix? like it's basically like dracula he like fell in love with the basically what you were talking about with vampire diaries it's basically that like he fell in love with the now reincarnation of uh said girl and so he fell in love with her and she ends up dying and he ends up going on a rampage but that also happens huh. too in uh seven it's another show called seven deadly sins and uh uh my, my the main character basically uh the the princess he's chasing keeps dying over and over again it's like a never-ending loop and so like he literally like goes and looks for um raises her up and then like falls in love with her so it's like it's really fucking weird but that same story vampire story is like everywhere you yeah know what i'm saying like and that that's what gets people attached uh there's nothing wrong with it but it's then it's something becomes wrong when you you try to put a, a person who played that character into a male dominated superhero persona you feel what i'm saying because me yeah. as 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 the watcher, I'm looking for uh I don't I don't want no no simp ass nigga playing Batman. You feel what I'm saying? Nigga, I, I need you to have a deep voice. I need you to have the 
the the the the the tenacity to to, to fight your battles. You feel what I'm saying? Like I need somebody yeah. to look up. Like, to. He needs to be Batman. He needs to be like now. I'll say because you know it's Batman, right? If he's interrogating people, all this stuff. Like I want the Batman that's scaring like the you know scaring like the hell out of these people. The mm-hmm. Batman who's like has this person like by their leg holding them upside down from a roof like i'm really about to drop you unless you tell me where the riddler is or the joker is or whatever the batman that breaks people's bones all this stuff like that right like mm-hmm. the batman we all know and love so when i saw the part in the trailer where he uh beat the shit out of that dude mm-hmm. and they were like who are you and he's like i'm vengeance and then they started doing the little title sequence or whatever i was like okay that's what kind of sold me on it because i was like okay that's kind of the batman i want to see but when he said i'm vengeance i was like i thought you were gonna say i'm batman nigga. that's why they had him say i'm vengeance but i was like huh i really need them to drop another trailer but you know that trailer was only from like three or four days worth of shooting well yeah okay but right. i heard that i was like that's impressive but still bro like they shot christian that bell bro niggas not beating my nigga christian bell bro and that, 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 so? in my opinion bro because we gotta go back to character development bell is the epitome of batman we we literally watched Christian Bale from the beginning. You feel what I'm saying? We seen him at the dojo training with yeah. monks. Yeah. We seen him getting not only stronger but wiser. So when he came back to Gotham, he was prepared for anything. Do you know I'm surprised Nolan? I'm still surprised Nolan did all that in one movie. He did the origin in like what for 30, 40 minutes? Yeah. And then he threw us right into Batman Returns to Gotham. I'm like. Yeah. When I watch that now, I'm like, I'm surprised Christopher Nolan did that that fast. Yeah, yeah. Killed it. But I hear what you're saying, though. We spent more, like, we saw more of the the life, mm-hmm. which I feel like is why some people weren't as attached to Ben Affleck's Batman, because mm-hmm. uh, Snyder was like, we don't need to do another origin story. So he just showed the one little thing, mm-hmm. and then, oh, now we're in Metropolis when Superman's wrecking shit, and then Batman's watching it. Like, and so that's Snyder my problem with DC. Whole part. Like, they keep changing their goddamn characters. Like, bro, if you don't give me a a a, a, a character to uh, to develop, I swear to God, bro, I'm, I'm yeah. done. And you know, um, I mean, we're sort of going freely nearly off the wall here, but that's mm-hmm. cool. With uh, DC, you know, they were like of the mindset of um, Marvel did the solo films, then the team up film. We have to catch up, so we don't have time to do the solo films, right? Because mm-hmm. one thing a lot of people don't know is when Marvel started in 2008 with Iron Man, right? They did Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, First Avenger, Avengers. 2012, mm-hmm. made a billion dollars. Everybody was like, this is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. superheroes started going wild, right? They were like, oh, it works. And then that's when DC was like, well, we're, we're, we're coming out with Superman. We're going to come out swinging. They made Snyder do it. And then, eh, man, it still didn't make. They, crack, they expected Superman to crack a billion dollars in his sleep. But because of the mm-hmm. way Snyder did it and his take on Superman, which personally mm-hmm. I love, I still like Man of Steel. It it didn't connect with the I whole. I wish I wish we would we would demote Zack Snyder, bro. That okay. That's that's what I was about to get into, right? So Snyder didn't exactly like because of his take, which they should have gathered from things like Watchmen and stuff like that that Snyder's done previously. His take mm-hmm. on Superman was very much like the God on Earth who doesn't know he's a God yet and finds mm-hmm. out he's a God, but like, oh, I don't really want to be God, mm-hmm. but these people want me to be God, but then I have to be God because of Zod. So it's like mm-hmm. it was very much the God coming to terms with his own power, right? A God among mm-hmm. men. That's mm-hmm. Snyder's take on Superman. Very mm-hmm. like messianic jesus figure type thing a bunch mm-hmm. of his imagery even hits on that normal right, right, right? right all that being said to say superman his superman man of steel did not connect with the general audience only made 600 million compared mm-hmm. to the avengers 1 million and in the same year that man of steel came out iron man 3 cracked 1.4 billion dollars at the box office 
with mm-hmm. Robert Downey alone without any other Avengers. So, right. but at the time, there was this rumor floating around, right? That because Joss Whedon did so good on the Avengers, which, I mean, this is another topic for another day, but Whedon's career is down the drain right now. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Even mention his name with the Avengers and now be like, oh, Whedon will never work in Hollywood again. Like, mm-hmm. as much as I hate what he's done, what he's been accused of, he did fantastic work, right? But back then, of course, people didn't really know of these accusations, things like that. So Feige made it a point to say everything that we do leading up to Avengers 2, which ended up being Age of Ultron, Whedon, even though he was not directing it, would have a hand in everything. So in Thor The Dark World, he directed. He looked over the script for uh, Winter Soldier. He sort of told them where to sort of kind of pivot Iron Man and Iron Man 3. Whedon's hand wasn't everything in Marvel Phase 2. So then DC was like, oh, oh. We see you. We're going to do the same thing. So they were like, mm-hmm. Snyder, hey, you want to do the next movie? Snyder was like, yeah. You want to do just yeah. Snyder was like, yeah. Because Snyder, Snyder wants to do what Snyder wants to do, right? Yeah. But him. listen, bro, just because you can do it don't mean you should. Man. Just because you can don't mean you should. I really I think, like, I really think as I, like a community, as a community of directors or as like a, a consumer of content, we yeah. need to demote this nigga Zack Snyder. Like, no, no. Like, God. And I don't like dead ass. make Snyder God. Snyder, okay. don't get me wrong. His uh his Superman to me is I, I love Henry Cavill's Superman, right? To me, you cast the perfect person as Superman. Even mm-hmm. the first Man of Steel that he did, uh, I have nothing wrong with his story and his take on even putting Russell Crowe as Jor-El, brilliant, right? I have no problem with his take on Superman nor his story. The only thing I would say is an asterisk to Man of Steel is you didn't need to wreck Metropolis like you did, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, did. well, first of all, if you're coming from listen. Nigga, this is where I was coming from straight out of DC, bro. Like, this is what Smallville got me into DC. So, oh, I love Smallville, bro. Uh, like when I, Smallville. as I'm growing up and I'm watching Smallville, this is where I'm thinking of Superman. You feel what I'm saying? This is who I, I see as Superman. Tom Welling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this, this is what I'm seeing as Superman. And so when Zack Snyder did Man of Steel, bro, I'm just like, bro, what the fuck is this? That's, not, that's, that's what I'm saying because I'm like, like, I'm like confused. Like, I'm really like. So yeah. now we're at a point where we have to relearn Superman. Like it was just, it's weird. It's backwards. Even if you look at his suit, right? Snyder changed up. You know, he took the classic undies off Superman, which was fine because the world was going that way anyway. They were like, why is there underwear on Superman? We don't need that. So right. his suit was great. That's a great Superman. Mm-hmm. Suit. The way he did Superman's cape, because even then on the behind the scenes, he said a lot of it was not practical. They had the CGI, mm-hmm. a lot of that cape. I was like, I couldn't tell. They did mm-hmm. great with that. But uh, that being said, Snyder has a very unique take on DC, right? Mm-hmm. His whole unique take on film, bro. Like it's a mythical being of gods among men, mm-hmm. messianic Jesus, Messiah imagery, mm-hmm. dark stories in dark worlds that tell about humanity in a dark time. That's mm-hmm. Snyder, period, right? right. right. So uh, I wasn't back then, I wasn't as plugged into the film stuff. I mean, I was. I wasn't mm-hmm. as plugged into like specific directors. Now I recognize Zack Snyder, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, now when I watch Man of Steel, I'm like, this is very Zack Snyder. Even the mm-hmm. color scheme of his film is so muted. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are like, why is Superman's cape? Like, why is his suit not popping? Why is it that mm-hmm. shade of blue? Because Snyder mm-hmm. puts a muted color on everything he does. Right. But um, to the point that I was making though, they basically gave Snyder the keys of the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. So that, 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 that can go into your next point of Suicide Squad. Yeah, so Snyder put his hands in everything because he was like, 
uh, hold on, I'm going to backtrack, right? So we were supposed to go one way with this podcast. So we figured just ride on this in order to get into suicide. But we're going to ride this for a second, though. So they told Snyder to make Superman, right? They had all these plans to connect with the Justice League because that's what Marvel was doing with the Avengers. If you go back to 2012, there's a quote from Snyder where he said, my Superman is my Superman. It might not be the one that's connected with Justice League. My Superman will be separate from the Superman that they have in Justice League. Mm-hmm. No one noticed that comment back then. I found it and I was like, wait, 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 wait. So we're going to two Superman? Yeah, man. Why do you think I, hate, I, 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 I totally dislike Zack Snyder, bro? Because it's like he literally gets to go in here and whatever, shoot whatever the hell he what? fucking wants to. Like, and I'm supposed to take it as a fan. Like, yeah, now, nigga, fuck you. He did that with Man of Steel, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next DCEU film after Man of Steel came out in 2015. Or mm-hmm. no, no, I take that back. 2016. That was Batman versus Superman. Because Snyder mm-hmm. like, wanted to do Batman. Set up the Justice League. All the stuff. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I love Batman versus Superman. I will still tell you, it's a terrible movie. It's terrible. That's it's fun. a terrible movie. Like, good. now, don't get me wrong. I will say he captured, uh The one thing he captured about the spirit of DC is when these guys fight, because DC people are so overpowered, I need to feel like somebody's going to die. Mm-hmm. Because that's just what natural DC stuff is. They will be wrecking buildings because DC always stuck in animation. So most people's uh, reference point to DC is animation. In animation, you can literally wreck whatever you want, mm-hmm. right? So in DC, like, I grew up on Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Static Shock, mm-hmm. Batman animated series, Superman animated series, Batman Beyond. God bless Batman Beyond. I love that show. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. So I was used to this. So I was like, when I saw Man of Steel, I was like, it makes sense how he's fighting Zod. Technically, it makes sense that in the real world, if this stuff was happening, he would be kind of wrecking the whole city, but you didn't need to do it. And mm-hmm. then when Batman vs. Superman dropped the trailer, it was the same time Civil War dropped the trailer, right? And so everybody was like, oh, superhero accountability. They're both hitting on that story. Who's going to do it better? But that wasn't even the focal point of Batman vs. Superman. Snyder just wanted to ha- kill Superman only to resurrect him because Jesus. Jesus died and was resurrected. So I want to do the mm-hmm. same thing with Superman. Now, some people will say the death of Superman storyline is in the comics. Snyder just stuck to that. No, he didn't. Thank you. If you look to the death of Superman story, do you know what that story is? Superman is loved by everybody. And mm-hmm. then he's the one struggling with, um, you know, uh, I'm Superman, but I'm also Clark Kent. But mm-hmm. I want to spend more time with Lois. How do I figure all this stuff out? I don't know. Uh, and then he sort of digs more into his humanity, right? And mm-hmm. then Doomsday just randomly shows up. Superman randomly fights Doomsday. And they, because, you know, story plot, but still. And then he dies fighting Doomsday, but he's like, it's okay. Because then he kind of figured out that like, oh, this world is the world he wanted to like give his life for. He doesn't mind it if these people live because that's his point of existence. He loves these people. They loved him. So he's got no problem. That's the death of Superman where they love the, they all love Superman so much where when he died, they made a memorial and then he came back. But you know, death of Superman. So when we went to Batman versus Superman, they sold it as Batman versus Superman. No one expected Doomsday to be in there until they showed the trailer and they spoiled it. But mm-hmm. then, even then, no one was like, oh, he's going to do Death of Superman. They were just like, oh, shit, Doomsday. It didn't look like Doomsday, but uh, I guess that's Doomsday, right? Mm-hmm. Then I watched it. When I saw them fighting Doomsday, I, remember, I still remember the feeling I had watching in the movie theater. And I was like, yo, like, this fight is good. Even though mm-hmm. this is really the Doomsday, I know from the comics, this fight is good. Batman right. really over here not doing nothing except jumping and hiding and throwing smoke grenades and shooting yep. his little bullet because he can't do nothing against this, but Wonder Woman and Superman can. And then right. Superman died. And when he died, mm-hmm. bro, there was, you could drop a pen in that theater and hear it. Everybody was like, quiet. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember the I was the first one that spoke after, and I was like, not the fact that they just killed Superman. I was like, it was two hit. I was like, they just killed Superman mm-hmm. after two movies. Mm-hmm. That made no sense. But then Snyder, of course, oh, I want to resurrect. How do you resurrect Superman in Justice League movie where it's supposed to have Superman? Yeah. I love Snack Snyder's Justice League, but it makes no sense story-wise, right? But Thank that you. being said, Snyder had his hands in everything because DC saw Josh Whedon had his hands in everything, right? So they were like, okay, uh, Suicide Squad came out next. They were like, Snyder, do you... Because notice Suicide Squad was directed by David Ayer. Mm-hmm. But it, if you look at even the title sequence, even the colors, even the, the little the little thing of this is Deadshot, this mm-hmm. is Harley Quinn, this mm-hmm. is Boomerang, it looks remarkable. Like a Zack similar to wait for it, what's the new Zack Snyder film that just came out? No, the Zack Snyder one came out on Netflix. Oh, oh, Army of the Dead. Oh, uh-huh. God, bro. Look at how that squad looked. Even down to the title card, and look at how Army of the Dead looked. And we don't even got to talk about we we do not got to talk about that movie at all. That movie was terrible, but they're the same, right? Mm-hmm. Snyder was even a producer on that. Now he was also a producer on Wonder Woman, but they let Patty Jenkins do a little bit more of what she wanted to do on that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all that being said, Snyder had his hands in everything, mm-hmm. right, including Suicide Squad. So. I will say tonally, suicide. I watched that movie six times in the theater. You know, that was kind of like the year I was like starting to figure out I wanted to go into filmmaking. So I was just mm-hmm. watching stuff just to watch it. And I swear to God, I don't know how my parents. I don't know were. how you sat through. I don't know how I sat through times. it that many times. I don't know how my parents were cool with always giving me twenty dollars to a buy my movie ticket for ten bucks in the local piece of movie theater, may have rested mm-hmm. me, but then also buy my snacks. So if I saw the movie six times, I mean, the parents gave me like one hundred and twenty bucks over time. I don't know how they were cool with that, but somehow they did, right? They're ridiculous. I, I don't. They saw they saw that I was interested in film before I was. That's what I saw Force Awakens like five times in the theater too. For real? Yeah, that's when I was starting to like figure out on Rogue One. I saw like five times too. I can't. Like, I, I was working at the. Listen, I figured out. I figured out the key. You got to work at the movie theater to get free movies. So that's what I did. Oh, yeah, that's how that works. Like I well, worked. I worked at like a. Side, side note, I worked at uh this uh Regal, it was like Regal Cinemas and like uh, Hell yeah. Um nice. and then but hold on, even before that, like when I was like 10 or 11, my dad was actually like a manager of a movie theater. So even before then, like this how I know I wanted to go on the film. So like I would literally like during our summer break and stuff, like during the whole summer, we got to like sit um and in the movie theater and just go hop each whatever movie we want to watch we could watch like i seen like uh at the time uh fool's gold like we got yeah. full movie blown posters my dad does yes full movie blown posters um we seen uh fool's gold like before anybody else seen it we seen um we seen so many movies oh uh halloween it was like a well, i don't even know like not a recent one it was like up. the an older one, it came out. We've seen it before anybody. Like my dad was like the the biggest. Like that that was like when I really knew I wanted to get into film because it was like, oh snap. Yeah. Like I, I started to like recognize more than what anybody else. I'm gonna correct myself real fast. When I noticed I started really liking film was 2014. Mm-hmm. Cause that was mm-hmm. the year of like blockbusters. Mm-hmm. So Guardians came out, Transformers 4 came out, mm-hmm. X-Men Days of Future Past came out. There was mm-hmm. uh 
what's the other movie uh that small little movie that elizabeth olsen and jeremy renner were in wind river i feel like that came out then too it was just a lot of movies that came out in 2014 and so me and my brother and my buddy james we just all like went to these movies because it was summer break you know what i mean right. and we were like right. oh the way we can see each other and hang out we can just keep going to these movies because we all wanted to see the movies so like we just made it a point to see all these movies back like i swear that's like James, like, you know how, like, you go to people, you go to school with people at high school, but then sometimes you mm-hmm. fall off and you meet your, like, real buddies, or so yeah. they say, in college. Yeah. Um, James is, like, the one friend from high school I still kept up with because we were both into, like, film like that. Like, even mm-hmm. now, dude's, like, out there in the Air Force or military or whatever, doing whatever he does. But mm-hmm. um, we still keep up with each other, right? So uh, that's sort of, like, he was already my buddy. And uh, this is another funny story for another day. We actually ended up beefing over the same girl. Mm-hmm. But looking back at it, it's just funny. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so we always like we went to the theaters a lot then. So that's kind of like what got me in the film. But um to cycle it back sort of to like uh my main point though, so Snyder's hand wasn't in everything, including Suicide Squad. Now, uh the, the basis of any good movie is the script. If the script is bad, the movie will be bad. If the script is good, the movie can still be bad, mm-hmm. but you have a chance of it being good. Suicide Squad had a bad script. I don't care what nobody mm-hmm. says. That movie was weird. It was just straight weird. That's not mm-hmm. Suicide Squad. The Suicide mm-hmm. Squad is all oh, Amanda Waller got these guys, uh, you know, Task Force X, Argus. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, what's the new name for them? Oh, the old name was Cadmus. I like Cadmus better than Argus. New 52 mm-hmm. changed it. But Ar- Ar- Argus, Cadmus, whatever you want to call it, Amanda Waller put these things in these people's heads, whatever. I blow it up if you don't do the mission. You do it. You get 10 years off your sentence, whatever. You just got to do this mission that no one people would die on. But you're the Suicide Squad. So if you die, we don't care. We'll disown you, right? classic story and you know the 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 mainstays of it is always harley quinn deadshot boomerang you know you could swap other members out but kind of like those are the mainstays so even when they did suicide squad it was i remember even the trailer drop it was weird i was like this is not suicide squad looking back at it now i'm like oh uh, everybody knows studio interference with david ayer the director still to this day he claims that his version of suicide squad is 10 times better than whatever they put in theater Mm-hmm. I kind of doubt that because it's all based off the same script, but whatever. So Snyder had a big hand in that. And then, um, but, you know, you had good uh, players in that film, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to name it off the top, Will Smith. That's yeah. that shot. He killed it. The movie was terrible, but Will Smith is Will Smith. You, you went to see Suicide Squad because of Will Smith. Yeah, that's like, that's pretty much why I went. I also went because Viola Davis, right? My brother was like, oh, look, that's Viola Davis. At the time, I didn't know who she was. I was like, who's that? She's behind me. Listen, listen. All I know her her for is Annalise Keating. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, right? I did not watch How to Get Away with Murder uh, until the confession. I never watched it until last year. Mm. The girl I was messing with at the time put me onto it, and then I watched it, and I was like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen on television. Why have I not seen this before? But I love it. Yeah, man. That being bro, said, I'm like, telling you, bro, like as a filmmaker, bro, you're going to have to start watching start watching the different genres, bro. Yeah. So it's going gonna to change you so much. Yeah. So my brother, he right, he was like, uh, oh, that's she She plays. He plays. Uh, he's like, um, Viola Davis plays Annalise Keating behind Get Away Murder. I was like, what does that mean? He was like, basically, that means she'll walk around uh, and basically say the F word and the S word and all this other stuff and this stuff like that. And she's, she's really tough. So he's like, that's the perfect casting for Amanda Waller. Then I watched it and I was like, yeah, he was right. But then, of course, Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn, the big standout, right? Jai Courtney, mm-hmm. Captain Boomerang. Like, mm-hmm. who did they get Cara Delevingne for the Enchantress? That's a throwaway, but mm-hmm. whatever. So they had some good key players, right? Enough for you to say, oh, if this movie was terrible, 
we could maybe make a sequel to it depending on how much money it made at the box office right Mm -hmm. now if you go and look at the box office for suicide squad as in the first one not the second one the one that came out in 2016 when we're talking about on a budget of 175 million that movie cracked a billion dollars how that movie cracked a billion and the superman movie couldn't i would never know well bro um, that's, well, Smith, right? it, he, ca- he can carry a film apparently he carried that one to a billion dollars right mm-hmm. and it also won an academy award in the best makeup and hairstyling so it got mm-hmm. an oscar so of course you're going to make a sequel to that right but they right. of course weren't going to bring david ayer back because they butt heads so mm-hmm. that was 2016 fast forward five years to 2021 and now we have the suicide squad mm-hmm. made by james gunn same guy who made Guardians of the Galaxy because everybody knows the whole James Gunn thing with his tweets and uh, Marvel was like, we're not rocking with what he said. So then they fired him, but then DC picked him up really quick and then Marvel got him back, but he was already in the DC world. So, you know, everybody's like, he did good with Guardians. He can do good with Suicide Squad, right? right I was right. like, eh, we'll see because James Gunn is kind of like Zack Snyder. He has a very specific filmmaking style that is in everything they do. Mm-hmm. I was like, how that will translate into the Suicide Squad? I have no clue, but mm-hmm. I watch it, right? So I actually got to, what, what's today? Today is Sunday. Sunday. So Friday, I watched the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we got to talk about this one on the podcast because mm-hmm. uh, two, there's two main points I kind of want to go into on the Suicide Squad. The first one will be like the business side, and then we'll do a little review of it. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in COVID. A lot of people aren't going to the movies. Even if they say, oh, the movies are back, the movies are reopened, man, we got Delta variant running around. A lot of people just don't want to do it. And movie theaters are still shut down in a lot of big countries, including China. And for people who aren't exactly plugged into the film stuff, China is where you make your buku bucks as far Mm -hmm. as international money, right? Right now, The Suicide Squad was released on August the 5th. We're on August the 22nd. So like Mm -hmm. 17 days away um, on a budget of 185 million. It has only made 140 million so far. They haven't even made their budget back. And that's not counting how much money they put into marketing and stuff like that. Right. The film will probably lose money. It's underperforming at the box office, which is crazy. But it's, it's got 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got 91%, so. right? And the critics love it. Audiences love it. In a normal non-COVID world, this movie would have been killing at the box office right now. Mm-hmm. But you're just here like, oh, it's, a, like, it's just a not a waste, but like it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Had this movie been released, in a non-COVID world, it would have been great. But it's also like, as a film studio, the longer you sit on a movie, the more you're losing money. Yeah. They kind of had to put it out, right? Yeah. Uh, that being said, they kind of put it out day and day on HBO Max and stuff like that too. So that's how I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of like to go into my reviews, I always like to give like my positives and then my negatives, right? My first positive, and this is sort of because I, I just, I mean, a year ago, I was a year ago, like today, I was watching How to Get Away Murders last season. So like, mm-hmm. I sort of tied more into that. They gave Viola Davis a little bit more to do as Amanda Waller in this film. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed because mm-hmm. I was like, that's Viola Davis. Like, mm-hmm. give him it. I'd be cool if they did an Amanda Waller solo film. Like, my thing is well, with, with Viola Davis, bro, niggas need to give her her flowers while she's still, while she's still here. Because you know, it. good and well, the day Viola Davis is dead and gone. That's when they go, oh, Viola Davis was this great actress. She should have won this. She should have won that, bro. She should have won this. She should have won that. Didn't she win for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? No, she didn't. She got snubbed. Mm -hmm. Chadwick got snubbed, too. Like, bro, like, y'all going to wait good and well to talk about Viola Davis. Viola Davis, you know she's 60? Yeah, man. She does not look 60, bro. 
Like, I, and I think, hold on, I don't want to get nothing wrong, bro. I'm pretty sure her and Meryl Streep. Hold on, hold on, hold on let me. Yeah, take your time with it. While you're doing that, I'll just keep talking. Though. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, so Valadares is a man of the wall are obviously a standout. Uh, I do have to say I missed Will Smith in this movie. Mm-hmm. But because uh, especially because at the time, uh, everybody was like, oh, we can see the chemistry between Margot Robbie and Jared Leto as a Joker. But you could clearly see the chemistry between Margot Robbie and Will Smith as Deadshot and her as Harley Quinn. And in the comics, as well as the animated stuff, there is history of those two hooking up, which should have mm-hmm. happened in the first Suicide Squad, if you ask me. But mm-hmm. they were too focused on her being a sim for the Joker. Now she's not with the Joker. So I was like, if they had brought Will Smith back, man, you could have appeased so many audience members by making the two of them come together. But mm-hmm. whatever. So I missed Will Smith. That's, that's I'm jumping into my positives and negatives, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, story-wise, I remember when I saw they did this thing at DC Fandom when they were announcing the Suicide Squad. I was like, this is one big cast. How are they going to put all these people in the film? And then I was like, when I watched it, I was like, you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, before I sort of like get deeper into it, spoilers for anybody who has not seen The Suicide Squad. We're literally going to talk about spoilers. I'll tell you guys when we're not talking about spoilers. But again, spoiler-wise, they killed off half of them in the first, what, 20 minutes? No, the first 10. First 10. I was like, oh, okay. But then it's like you killed off Captain Boomerang. Man, y'all didn't need to kill Boomerang. But it was like... That that shit was... They killed every single person except... Harley Quinn from the first film, even Rick Flag died. I was like, yo, so Harley's the only person left in the original Suicide Squad. Deadshot's still out there somewhere, but yeah. uh, I was like, that's crazy. So then they did that to focus on the, the new version of the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. uh, which of course they couldn't get Deadshot back. I mean, Will Smith back is Deadshot. So they got Idris Elba, next best black guy you could get to do the thing. And they were going to mm-hmm. recast the role, but then Will Smith was like, nah, don't do that because I want to come back later. And they were like, yeah, let's not shoot ourselves in the foot. So then they made him Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. That was good casting, too. Yeah. Between him and John Cena as Peacemaker, I was like, yeah, y'all did something. Damn, you like John Cena's performance? I don't like his performance. I like how they how they incorporated his character into the story by making him and uh, Bloodsport be like these alpha males that were like, like, like the one scene where they're walking through the little forest thing or whatever, and they're just shooting mm-hmm. people. And they're just looking at each other and flicking each other off, or he's doing the little dick move or whatever. Yeah. Like that, that that's awesome. classic James Gunn, though. Like that's James Gunn. That's James like, comedy, bro. And that, that's he, uh, he has like this that. thing where he can take wrestlers that want to become actors and pull the best out of them. Because John mm-hmm. Cena is a terrible actor. I don't care what nobody says, but I kind of I didn't mind him as Peacemaker. Right mm-hmm. now they're making a Peacemaker series. We'll see how that goes. But I, I didn't mind. As see, bro, this is what I'm talking about. They take a good thing and they just yoke the fuck out of it. Because when they said, oh, he's making a Peacemaker, and they were like, by the way, Peacemaker's shoot, like, Peacemaker almost done shooting right now. And Suicide Squad hasn't even been released yet. I was like, y'all are being very uh, reactionary because what if the audience doesn't like it with Peacemaker? Now you got your money. My thing is, my thing is I liked him as his character. Like, I don't have no problem with his character. I didn't mean to see more of him. Yeah, I, like, I don't want to see a whole different version of him, bro. I don't if, care. If that's the case, man, give me... Give me a Bloodsport thing or give me a Deadshot thing or Amanda yeah, Waller. Give me like, a Bloodsport versus Deadshot, man. I'll watch that. Now, and see, and that's another thing I was thinking too, right? Especially after I saw this, I was like, uh, it's a shame that he killed off some of those original members. Now, mm-hmm. some of them he didn't kill. Like, El Diablo is technically out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harley's still there. Um, Killer Rock still there. there. So he could still pick people from the first film. But I was like, what if, in a what if scenario, right? What if... Mm-hmm. Suicide Squad 3 was the Suicide Squad versus the Suicide Squad. 
So you had the old iteration under Deadshot, but then you had this new iteration under Bloodsport. I'm not about to lie to you, bro. I would want to see Bloodsport kill Superman or shoot Superman with that kryptonite bullet. I was about to say, because you know that through that line in every trailer, she's like, he's, in, he's, he's what'd you say? He's locked up because for putting Superman in the ICU with the kryptonite bullet. I was like, yeah. when she said that line, I was like, wait, what? Can we see that? Yeah, man, because uh, I was, uh, I'm like, bro, these things, it just, Elba is like, he's a really good actor, so like. Yeah, because you know, he was like, really... I want to do that story. Yeah, facts. He literally said in the, in the, in the, uh, in the um, press, he was like, I want to see how that happened. Why do you shoot Superman with a kryptonite bullet? Like, I want to do that. And I'm like, give us more of an excuse to bring Henry Cavill back. Say what you want to about Zack Snyder's movies. Henry Cavill was a great Superman. Mm. So I was like, can you bring him back, please? He was supposed to be interested. No, bro. Maybe we can just keep him dead. Let's 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 let's, let's revitalize the series, bro. Because and he's still point... out there somewhere. But that sort of like ties into the Thor thing. Because remember how I told you, like, uh, everybody knows this. Thor one, it was. It was good. Classic mm-hmm. Thor, but whatever. Thor 2, terrible. Hemsworth mm-hmm. got tired with the role, and then comes Taika Waititi, revitalizes Thor. Thor right That's right, all right. Superman needs. A different director. You let Snyder direct him in three movies, and then you're surprised that Superman is this character people don't like. But we already gave him three movies. That's the point. That's the problem, though. But you you gave, we gave him three movies. shots. He but didn't do what he was supposed to do. With the same director, with not-so-great stories. If Listen, you let, at uh, that point, at that point, you got to start not looking at the actor. You got to look at the director, bro. You look at the director. You don't look at the actor, right? Because it's not yeah. Cavill. Cavill's a good Superman. It's Snyder. So it's what hey, is- man, I'm not looking at I'm, I'm not looking at Zack Snyder's films with 68% Rotten Tomatoes. I'm looking at James Gunn film 91%. Uh-huh. So then what if you let James Gunn tackle Superman? Hey man. Hey. You listen, as long as Zack Snyder is not on the reins, I'm good. Because you know they you know offered that to him, right? Like when Disney dropped him and DC uh-huh. picked him up, they were like, you can do whatever you want to do. He was like, I want Suicide Squad. Thank and you. They were like, okay. Yeah. But they were also, again, like, you can do whatever. He literally said the studio did not hold him back on anything. Now, everybody knows that was literally because Disney dropped him. Every studio lined up to get James Gunn. DC mm-hmm. did. And DC was like, we'll let you do whatever the fuck you want to do. You just did Guardians of the Galaxy, man. And so he was like, he even debated at one point. He was like, should the Suicide Squad fight Superman? Is it going to be Suicide Squad hunting down the Justice League? Uh, because I'm pretty sure there's like a Suicide Squad game yeah, coming out the and they're doing it. Yeah, so That's probably where that ended up. Either that idea came from Gunn himself and then they put it in the game or they were like, we're already doing that. You can't touch that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited to play that fucking yeah, game. Yeah, that game's going to be cool. But um, be all that being game. said, uh, so with this movie, like the plot, mm-hmm. it was... Um, like I said, I, okay, well, let, me, let me jump back a little bit. I love the action. Yeah. Like the shootout on the beach in the beginning where they all ended up getting killed, but I didn't see coming, but I was like, makes sense. We're in Suicide Squad. But that was a good little nice shootout. And then Harley pulled out that like uh, rocket launcher and I was like, classic. But did it not give you, it did it not give you like the feeling that you were watching a Ga- Guardians of Galaxy film? It did. Bro, it, you literally, the opening scene you, of, you Gar- did, of Guardians, bro, is literally... The opening scene of this new Same thing of this new film, bro. Even like, when they and, were playing the music when she was recruiting them or whatever, mm-hmm, and they were mm-hmm. doing the little thing where they were walking and they had the giant American flag behind them shot mm-hmm. from the trailer. I was like, This screams James Gunn, Thank which you. was fine by me, but I was like, uh, it just how'd I put it? The movie was I was not hyped mm-hmm. to watch it. Mm-hmm. I watched it because I wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. But I was also, I did not walk away from this being like, I love that movie. I walk away from it mm-hmm. like, 
I like the movie, mm-hmm. but I didn't love it. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think the the thing that really had me fall off about it, it was just, bro, what the? F- why are they always fighting aliens? I don't know, and why are they fighting with rats? Like, bro, that yeah, was that, nasty. That, that kind of a lot. That turned me off a little bit because I was like, I, I get it. It's cool. That falls within James Gunn's like sense of humor, yeah. but uh, not everybody wants to watch rats all the time. Personally, but, I have to be against rats because, like, you know, I grew up watching Ninja Turtles. Splinter is a rat, but like, bro, I ain't trying to see rats running around on these people, eating them alive, and all. Like, come on, man, that's James Gunn humor, but that's not everybody humor. Thanks. You know what I mean? Thanks. Some people might nitpick on that, but it's like literally, there's a bunch of things that are James Gunn humor that like it just didn't land for me in this film. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the thing about dude polka dot man saying the thing about uh, <laughs> it was funny. Huh? That shit was funny. Think about his mom. Yeah, bro. That shit was funny. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Jake, remember that when he was gonna hit Star he's like, that's your mom. And then he like shot the polka dots at him or whatever. I was like, okay, I, I could give him that way. But there was just other stuff that just didn't like and the uh in Harley Quinn too, but with the one dude or whatever, where uh he was saying the stuff about he wants her to marry him because of all the stuff at XYZ, and then she just shoots yeah, and then him. just shot like, that nigga in the face. <laughs> that shit was funny as fuck. And she just said she was sorry. Now, then she had her like, uh, her like, uh, I'm a strong. I mean, th- th- this is just how I describe it, even though she's not. But she had her, I'm a strong, independent black woman moment where she yeah. was like, I told myself I'd never end up in a relationship like that again. If I saw red flags, I'd yeah. shoot him. I was like, Nigga, what? Yeah. <laughs> you like, why, why haven't you done that to Joker yet, bro? Like, at like, all. Yeah, why did you shoot the Joker? But, yeah. um, but yeah, so her Margot Robbie, of course, was a great standout. I was scared when I was watching the behind the scenes of Suicide Squad being made in the behind the scenes photos and stuff because there wasn't a whole lot of Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I feel like she was shooting something else and she popped up in like one or two behind the scenes photos and that was it. So I was like, damn, we're not going to get a lot of Harley Quinn. But right. then I see how they incorporate Harley into the story. And uh, the thing where she was saying about Melvin, where she was like, who's Melvin? They're like, that's Melvin. Oh, yeah, 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 I would have yeah, yeah. remembered a Melvin. They're like, no, no, that's him. When? He's been with us the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. all right, I get it. But that was like, that was a Star-Lord thing to say. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. like, this is very Guardians of the Galaxy, which mm-hmm. is fine, but it's also like, because um, you've seen Guardians 2, yeah? Yeah. As like classic as Guardians 2 is now to me, obviously nothing's going to hit as much as the first Guardians of the Galaxy did. Yeah. Even number yeah. two, number two was not as good as number one. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, not that James Gunn isn't good at what he does, but it was also like, uh, I think his shtick got kind of old at that point. Yeah. Because he had James Gunn films, and James Gunn is a very unique filmmaking style, but it was also mm-hmm. like when he did Guardians, his unique style became cemented and uh, identifiable with that first Guardians film. So mm-hmm. then he makes another Guardians film. It's like, um, it's like, oh, I kind of seen you do this before. Right. That's, li- that's literally what it felt like, which mm-hmm. is, the hallmark of a good director to me is when you can make a film and it has your signature, but it feels like revitalized yourself. Scorsese mm-hmm. does that with all his stuff. Uh, I don't, I don't, not with everything, but with Tarantino. With Tarantino stuff feels like Quentin Tarantino films, but yeah. it, his directing style can change, varying mm-hmm. on like what he touches and what he doesn't touch, right? No so it's like, I, yeah, it wasn't Scorsese, it was Quentin Tarantino. So like mm-hmm. with James Gunn, it was like the Suicide Squad very much felt like. I hate to say the word ripoff, but it felt like a ripoff of Guardians. Mm-hmm. I like, mean, I love Guardians, so I mean, yeah, I love the first one. But I, it was also I, like Guardians is so specially encapsulated in that first. One. That first one is such like a culture shift mm-hmm. that like 
when James Gunn made a second Guardians, I wasn't as hyped for it because I was yeah. like, I've seen and I think that moment in time is so special, you can't recapture that magic. Facts. And what I think, to, what the, another good point is that it, I feel like James Gunn is putting fun back into film. You feel what I'm saying? It's not just about okay, cut this and cut that and cut this and but let let's 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 add a little bit of a of a fun aspect to it. You feel what I'm saying? Because these are still you feel what I'm saying? They're 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 psychopaths. You feel what I'm saying? We're literally like watching psychopaths. Like exactly. this dude and be like, I told myself if I saw red flags, I exactly. shoot them. I was like, you feel what I'm saying? Like oh. you gotta add that aspect into the equation. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And like I feel like because the first James one was Gunn did that perfectly. Because not only is it like this. This one side of like they're all they're serious as fuck, but their their uh their comedy side is also it's very serious, but it's sick. You feel what I'm saying? And so like you gotta be able to yeah. play off of that. You gotta be able to like direct that type of shit. And yeah, I just feel does. like yeah, James Gunn did very he did good. good. Like like that one thing, like I said, where Peacemaker shot the dude, and then he uh uh, Blood, Bloodsport shot the other dude, then Bloodsport flipped him off, and then he did the little like dick jerk move. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like when they were going back and forth, like it was a competition, and they were yeah. killing the good and, guys. Um, when she was like, they were like, uh, they jumped, they bust into the, the tent, right? And he's like, mm -hmm. hey, flag, flag's like, yeah. uh, what are you guys doing? We're here to rescue you from the Freedom Fighters, and then he's like, yeah. like, where are all my men? They shouldn't let you through. Exactly. Oh, we didn't see any men. No, 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 no. We didn't see nobody, man. Exactly. And that and that goes back to them being psychopaths. You feel what I'm saying? Because yeah. they're they're born like they they were they've been conditioned to just kill. And so, mm -hmm. like when at when, at that point in the film, like when you're watching it, you're just like, wow, these is, is really they're they're not dumb, but they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why would you do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you not go? Like in a, a a more better approach instead of like shoot and kill. Like you should be sneaking like, in there, like uh, thank you. doing like the little judo move to knock people out, or you know, mm -hmm. like just, you should be stealth. Not like you know, like you exactly. play a video game when you infiltrate a camp like that, you can either exactly. like Assassin's Creed stealth that whole thing, or you can just mm -hmm. go in guns blazing. They mm -hmm. went in guns blazing. Then it's like, oh, you found out you killed the wrong people, but they're like, we didn't see nobody. Yeah, there was Fact. nobody here. Fact. And that and then that too also made me like think more about the polka dot character. It was just like. Well, what the fuck did he do? You feel what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and through the entire film, he kept saying, Nobody's more crazier than me. And I really wanted like to figure out like go off. Yeah, like what the fuck are you talking about? What makes you so fucking crazy? Are you satisfied what they did with him then? Um, no, I would like to see a little bit more of him. You feel what I'm saying? Like, like what you said, like uh have a suicide squad versus suicide squad, but like you said, that we've like we already seen, they damn near killed off. <laughs> First team. Yeah, like, like yo. Now, um, I will say to that same point too, right? Like, uh, another downfall of this movie making less money at the box office is James Gunn touched so many characters that the generalized audience does not know. People knew knew Harley Quinn before Suicide Squad. People knew Killer Croc before Suicide Squad. Will Smith's face was on Deadshot. You know who that is. People knew who Captain Boomerang was. Like he. The first Suicide Squad was composed of so many identifiable faces or characters. And the second one, like Polka Dot Man, who knows who that is? I mean, mm -hmm. we know. DC lore people know. But like the average moviegoer does not know who Polka Dot Man is. They don't know who Ratcatcher is. I mean, Bloodsport has Idris Elba's face. So you'll watch it because Idris Elba, right? But like uh, Polka Dot Man, who knows who Polka Dot Man is? Now, mm -hmm. uh, did you know that was Sylvester Stallone that did King Shark? Yeah. That that was good too. Cause have you yeah. seen the Harley Quinn animated series? 
Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen a little bit of it, but not not too much. Like, I don't I really fuck with Harley. It's Quinn, like they really, they really, uh, they they kind of encapsulated the spirit of that in this film, which I really love. And to that point, um, Birds of Prey was a terrible movie. I don't care what nobody says. Yeah, that, I didn't watch it. Terrible. The only good thing that came out that to me was uh, whoever they cast, I forget her name, Journey Smollett as Black Canary, which you're now doing mm-hmm. a series for on HBO Max. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think that was the only good thing that came out of Birds of Prey. The way that they wanted Harley to be in Birds of Prey, James Gunn was like, I saw what you guys were trying to do. I'm going to show you how it's really done. And I was like, this is the Harley Quinn I wanted in Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Like, he killed it with that. Even like, like I said, like, she's got, Amanda Waller's got these people on this island doing this dangerous mission. They're known as the Suicide Squad. You done lost half of them. You blew one of their brains up. And she's over here teeing golf in a little cup talking about, I got to play this with the senator next week. And if mm-hmm. I can't do it right, man, I'm going to look stupid. Mm-hmm. How you over here playing golf? Right. Laughing at you, barely missing it. And these people are over here dying on this dying. island. Corto Maltese, like mm-hmm. that, like you said, the humor in it is it's a comedy film. Right. I like that part. It's a comedy because the first Suicide Squad was so serious, mm-hmm. it didn't need to be. Now, yeah. is the movie gonna come in close to cracking a billion dollars? No. A because I mean it, it it should. Like it I in my opinion, have. like it people should go see this movie because it's yeah. it it it's a different director and it's a different feel from the movies that you've already seen. Yeah. Quote unquote, because it's directed by James Gunn and not Zach. Demote, we need to demote Snyder. You feel what I'm saying? Like, DC's moving away from Snyder. And that's good. And I'm really happy for that. Like, I'm like, we need to let the shackles go from Snyder, bro. Cause, yeah. Like, between Gunn, Patty Jenkins doing Wonder Woman, uh, James Wan doing Aquaman, like, y'all on the right track. I don't need to see Zach Snyder. I love Snyder. I don't need to see Snyder ever again. Bro, I'm saying, bro, I'm I'm so done with Zack Snyder's films, bro. Like, the I'm only just thing like, I'll say he did right was I know you said you don't really like Affleck's Batman. I liked Affleck's Batman, but I also like how he did Dark Side in uh in the Snyder cut. I was like, yeah, that's Dark Side, and that, the- and that's another thing too, bro. Like the Snyder cut, we, we're gonna have to do a whole podcast review just for Snyder cut, bro. Oh, that movie was so fucking long. Not only was it and long, the aspect ratio, I still hate that. Zach, bro, what the hell do you be but doing? We're gonna review that on a whole other podcast. I'm bro. trying to smoke what Zach be smoking, bro, because that <laughs> man be smoking straight, yeah, gas. Thanks, man. But, um, so to, to wrap up our suicide squad portion, what would you give it out of 10? Um, out of 10, damn, that's a that's a hard rate. I'm gonna give it eight out of ten. I'm gonna give it a solid seven. Right. It wasn't bad. I didn't love it, but it was it was good, but it wasn't great. I'm only giving it an eight out of ten because that shit had me dying. Um, the reason why I I would probably give it lower is because the rat shit. That shit was bad. Yeah, um, it got on my nerve. Yeah, bro, like, I did not a like viewer, that shit. I it just I didn't. The best way I know how to put it is I was like, I don't want to watch rats. Yeah, that shit was sick. This shit was so it had me cringing the entire time when I was watching that shit. But uh I give it like an eight because not only like it was specific scenes that that I really do remember, like especially the scene when they were in the jungle killing the uh innocent mm-hmm. people, and then uh when uh like they had that conclusion at the end of like fuck Waller, we gonna save the world type yeah, shit. Yeah, I like that. Part. And um like that 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 just 
it, it changed my whole aspect of shit. And I'm just like, all right, fuck it. Yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we, we're sort of running out of time, but we're gonna we're gonna hold it down for like one more hour and hit these next couple of topics though. So, um, staying in that, um, well, not DC, but trans transferring over across the water, if you will, from DC mm-hmm. to Marvel. Um, Marvel has this new film coming out, Shang Chi. Mm-hmm. Or I take that back. So everyone, okay. So that's another thing. Everyone in English says Shang Chi. It's actually mm-hmm. pronounced Shang Chi, but nobody's mm-hmm. gonna say that because you know we don't try to. Nobody really like thinks of it that way, but truth be told, that's how it should be pronounced. But for the purposes of this podcast, I'll say Shang Chi. That's what I hear everybody say. Right. So uh, Shang-Chi's coming out. Right. You people have seen the trailers. Uh, you know, they're hyping it up. The Ten Rings, Shang-Chi. A lot of people are saying this is what Iron Fist should have been. Uh, on a side note, Rick Ross dropped a song for Shang-Chi uh, with DJ Snake. That was pretty. It was a pretty dope song. But um, but, you know, obviously we're in COVID. Right. Uh, and on our last podcast, we talked a lot about how they've transitioned things into the world of like Marvel television versus the Marvel films, which could be a big factor in why Black Widow did not perform the way it should have. Mm-hmm. Even though, even then with day and date release, release them releasing it on Disney Plus and, and uh, the movies. Right. right. Um, so when it came to uh, Shang-Chi, which I'm I don't want to say I'm hyped for it, but I'm, I'm a little hyped for it. Mm-hmm. It's like the Chinese version of Black Panther. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I don't know shit about this. I don't. I really don't know nothing about this. So it's pretty much like in a nutshell, um, when you think of Shang-Chi, that's the best way I know how to describe it because that's the best way people who are Asian describe it. Right? Oh, okay. They say okay. It's, like, it's basically like what Black Panther did for you guys, for us, because it's like all Asian leads. Uh, they're talking in their native tongue. It's exposing a lot of their culture and stuff like that. So it's like, very uh again just the best way is like black panther for asian people right mm. and so uh it's pretty much about this character shang chi who's like drawn into the ten ring organization and he's basically forced to like confront the past he thought he left behind because his father runs the ten rings and the ten rings are like these powerful artifacts and stuff like that that's pretty much the nutshell of it right and so it's okay. basically a classic story of a father and son and father trained son to do this stuff and son went to live his own american life but then the father finds him and is like it's time to come home take your mm-hmm. rightful place and he's like i don't want to take my rightful place i want to be me i want to live my own life whatever and of course you know this is marvel so there's big artifacts big stuff blows up uh all this stuff um and you know they've got simu lu playing shang chi right mm-hmm. and uh so on disney not disney on disney on august the 12th the, the you remember i told you the new disney disney ceo is like kind of I don't want to say ruining things, but kind of ruining things for Disney, running them into the ground, which would never happen under Bob Iger, who was the guy who got Pixar and Star Wars and Marvel under his belt. Right. Iger was very much creatives over business and money. And he was like, we keep Uh the creatives happy. We will make business and money, which is what they did. Right. But now Iger's on his way out the door because it's retiring. So Bob Chapek, like I said, and remember how I told you when the Black Widow thing happened too, uh, like we discussed in the last podcast, Disney made those weird backwards comments about, mm-hmm. oh, ScarJo's not caring about the pandemic and all this other stuff. Like y'all are, and they threw her salary number like into the press, like which is yeah. what you should never, basically like Disney is doing things that Disney never does when it's literally because Chapek is their CEO, right? Okay. Yeah. So dude makes a bunch of bad moves is what I'm trying to say. Okay. I expect him to literally, literally I expect him to be removed from office in the next like year and a half to okay. maybe two years. I feel like someone's going to do that. 
But uh, to that point, on August the 12th, uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek was, was asked during an investor call about keeping Shang-Chi and Free Guy as theatrical exclusives rather than putting them on Disney+, Plus, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, Shang-Chi will be an interesting experiment. Keep those words in mind. An interesting experiment for us because he said the film only has a 45-day theatrical window versus the pre-COVID 90-day theatrical window, right? Mm-hmm. And he said uh, the prospect of being able to take a Marvel title to the service, to Disney+, Plus after it goes theatrical for 45 days will be yet another data point to inform our action going forward on our titles. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? This dude's talking business, Right. Right. Which is good and fine, but you got to be careful what you say. It's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, calling that film an experiment rubbed the lead of Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi himself, Simu Lu, the wrong way. Because he has been hyping this film. Everyone on this film has been hyping this film like this is the Black Panther for Asians. This is our Asian moment, especially after the whole Asian hate thing, right? He mm-hmm. was like, this is our moment to shine. This is where people will see our culture. Like, this is where people will hear us. We'll never be silenced, all this stuff. And I'm over here like, Bro, I know what Black Panther did for the culture. So, like, if that can do that for y'all, listen, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So, he saw Chapek's comments and he were like, We are not an experiment. We're the underdog. We're the underestimated. We're the ceiling breakers. We're the celebration of a culture and joy that perseveres after an embattled year. Uh, again, not talking more about that Asian uh, hate stuff. And right. he said, We are the surprise. And I'm fired and I'm effed up to make history on September 3rd. Join us in all caps, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, his. Uh, Bob Chapek's calling it an experiment, even though he was talking business terms, rub Shang-Chi the wrong way, because dude was like, we are not an experiment. He's like, Asians are not an experiment. Like, so some people say, oh, we can understand what uh, Bob Chapek was saying, because he's literally talking about we're releasing, releasing a lot of stuff on Disney+. Plus. This is our first movie that's going to be in the theaters only, and then hit Disney+. Plus. So it'll be interesting to see how that data looks. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting experiment, but Shang, but Shang Chi himself is like, whoa, 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 whoa! I hear what you're saying, but we're not an experiment, bro. Don't call us that, right? Right, right. Uh, so then, the president of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, saw those comments for both sides, and then Feige pretty much did what he kind of like course corrected it because he was like, uh, you know, uh, Shimu Lu again, the guy who plays Shang Chi. He's like, he's not a shy man. Like, you know, I think in that particular tweet, you can see as everyone does, there was a misunderstanding. It was mm-hmm. not the intention. Uh, the proof is in this movie. We swing for the fences as we always do. And with the amount of creative energy that we put into the budget, there is no expense spared at bringing this origin story to the screen. Mm-hmm. That is a good, first of all, it's a good pivot. Mm-hmm. Second of all, that's a good way to basically bridge both. But also him saying, I understand what Chapek's saying. And I understand what Simu's saying. And so you kind of have to understand, oh, from his point, we put the budget in there, but we also put the creative in there in order to make this film what it is so it can be the celebration of the culture and all that. Basically, right. he said what Bob, Iger, but Bob Iger would have said had Bob Iger been there. Right. Uh, that being said, though, the reason I make this a topic is because some people are like, oh, Shimu Lu overreacted. Other people are like, nah, he didn't overreact. Bob Chapek doing, but here go Bob Chapek again. You know what I mean? So. Right. To that point, uh, like I said, I know I keep my finger more on like that stuff than you do. But with you hearing that, like, would you say, oh, yeah, dude overreacted? Or would you be like, nah, he was. Nah, man, like uh, at the end of the day, bro, I I try to put myself into the person who's playing the character shoes because we're all minorities in this industry. And um, 
what what would I have done? You feel what I'm saying? Like if I was faced with the same with the same, you feel what I'm saying, thing. I would have done exactly what he did. You feel what I'm saying? Like you always stand up for not only um where you come from, but you stand up for yourself. And uh he did exactly that. You feel what I'm saying? You're not no goddamn experiment. You're not no you're not you're not ain't nobody testing nothing on you, you feel what I'm saying so like why would why even say that you feel what I'm saying there's better words to say well, it's the language it's literally exactly. the language right like if they had said black Panther was coming out this would be an interesting experiment for us to see how the like if they don't have to explicitly say it but if they said oh this would be an interesting experiment for us to see uh how uh this film performs uh coming out so close to uh infinity war mm-hmm. I would have been over here like are you saying that because this film is led by an entire black cast? Because that's why right. you're saying that you just don't want to say that, right? right? I can understand exactly what he's saying because Shang-Chi is, uh, like they said, a barrier-breaking film for Marvel because it's the studio's first film to largely feature an Asian cast with Tony Leung, to- I'm, forgive me if I'm pronouncing these names wrong, whoever these people are, Tony Leung, Aquafina, Michelle Yeoh, Faha Chen, Mengzhur Zhang, like, I, mm-hmm. The name I really recognize in that is Aquafina because Aquafina is blown up. She's been okay. everything. Had, uh, crazy Asians, Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, she was in Ryan the Last Dragon. She was the mm-hmm. dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been in all these other stuff, right? So I recognize the name Aquafina and I recognize Aquafina's face. Shang-Chi himself, I kind of recognize from that thing, Kim's Convenience. Okay. But um, besides that, though, I was like, when you watch this film, you're like, oh, this isn't like, you know, Hollywood has the, uh, their, their jaded past of whitewashing. Mm-hmm. they didn't whitewash with this film i mean yeah. obviously we're in 2021 no one really whitewashes anymore but like 10 years ago they did with like the avatar film you know what i mean well, no, the, the the thing that disney is i think is trying to do is they're trying to be more inclusive um yeah. and you can see that with all these different stories that they're coming out animated wise you feel what i'm saying like they're coming out with a lot of stuff that doesn't just regard uh white people you feel what i'm saying and that's what you need you feel what i'm saying because you got all these different uh races of kids watching your television shows and they don't see they themselves on see tv representation exactly like i love i love the way kevin feige put it one time where he said the world that we create with marvel uh is pretty much it needs to mirror the world that you see in real life right because like uh like stan lee may he rest in peace once said Marvel world is basically like if you stepped outside and there were superheroes. Right. But it has to like mirror exactly what you see in real life. So for you to see characters that come from these different ethnic backgrounds just naturally makes sense. Right. right? So um, so like like I said, in my point too, I would not say do it overreacted because I would have done the same thing if y'all said that about Black Panther. I would have been like, you're saying this because this is a black film with black mm-hmm. people, and there's never been a superhero movie like this that ever did that like that, mm-hmm. especially because. Chadwick comes from South Carolina, uh, Western Peace, and I'm mm-hmm. from South Carolina. So, like, mm-hmm. when the Black Panther died, the whole world was like, we lost our king. But South Carolina people were really like, we lost our king. Because mm-hmm. dude came from South Carolina, where I came from, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was a very personalized thing. But that, again, sort of glides us into um, the next of our um, last two topics here. Chadwick's episode of What If premiered on Wednesday and I watched it yesterday and bro I was like I don't like how do I put it I don't really get emotional when I watch film I can see like emotional impacts I can feel 
like connections with the characters and stuff but i never really get mm-hmm. like emotional when i watch anything right mm-hmm. i slightly felt like i was getting emotional watching that because i was like to hear his voice again mm-hmm. i was like it wouldn't have felt that way if i knew he was gone but because right. i know he's gone i'm like this is the last time we're gonna hear that wakandan accent mm-hmm. this is the last time we're gonna hear chadwick boseman and they even released a picture online of him wearing the they call it star lord t'challa with him mm-hmm. wearing that jacket like Chadwick Boseman they gave him like that jacket so after he recorded the episode they took a picture of him with the jacket and I was like it broke me because I was like bro like this time last year we lost Chadwick right and now like they're releasing Marvel's what if I mean obviously I know I'm gonna feel the exact same way again when Black Panther 2 Wakanda forever comes out because I'm 95% sure even though they say Chadwick will not be in that film we will see his face somewhere whether it's a flashback whether it's in the little Marvel intro that they always do like mm. we're gonna see Chadwick's face somewhere. In yeah. So I know my thing is like, I, all right. So I do the same thing with like film as I do music. So like any person that like dies, I just I do not dwell into the content. Yeah, it's because it. I, I just don't. I don't like, like you do that getting, because you feel it disrespects them, or you're like just as an yeah. Like I just feel like they're they're profiting off of this man's death. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just I ain't that type of person to just be like, oh well. It's still Chadwick. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I want to yeah. let him rest in peace. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? And, like, that's he deserves that. You feel what I'm saying? And so, yeah. Uh, by Disney. Which is why I'm looking, glad they did not recast Black Panther. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm, but that that's all. You feel what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. comes from like a, I, I feel like as a, that comes from like an African American standpoint because, yeah. like, a lot of people don't understand well. Why not just recast it? You feel what I'm saying? No, like no. you gotta let him rest in peace. You and know that's what I'm why I can't for like I have I can't take offense to these. Like you said, that comes from an African American standpoint. Mm-hmm. But um, like this famous YouTuber I watch, John Campion. This is no slide on Campion at all because I love watching Campion stuff. Campion is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why like I got into doing my podcast stuff and why I do understand film from a certain perspective and stuff like that. Campia is very much still of the mindset of they should have recast the role to have somebody carry the baton. And I was like, mm-hmm. no offense, that is you coming from a white man's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even Ryan Coogler said it the same way. He said, I was writing words for Chadwick when we were, I was writing the script for Black Panther 2 that he was never destined to say. Mm-hmm. And he like ended his whole, because you know, like when that happened, obviously people asked him for a comment or a remark and he took his time to grieve and then he gave his remarks. And he sort of like finished it like in the late in the latter part of his remarks by saying Chad's an ancestor now. And I was like, because mm-hmm. we're like on oh, Black Panther, like he went to the ancestral plane. He's like, now Chadwick is an ancestor. And I'm like, he really is. Like and, and if you really like dwell more like, in if you dwell more like, into that, like, cause I I constantly are I'm praying to my ancestors like all the time. Like yeah. that's what I believe in. And so like when you're like dwell more into the fact that this man played a character that was so monumental Mm -hmm. uh for black people you feel what i'm saying and that that turned a lot of people on to the mcu like you literally cannot there's no way you can recast that you feel what i'm saying and when you when you see like i remember when i went to watch black panther right i did it with my brother and with my godfather because he when i started getting the more that movie stuff he he was the one taking us to all these movies eventually after um you know, we just, I just got closer with him and then my brother did too. And he, he was just like, that's always the thing that we always just did going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Black Panther with him. He was sitting on the edge of his seat. Like I was sitting there smiling big, watching him do sitting on the edge of his seat. But I was also like, 
when I tell you I've never seen a theater that packed, they were primarily black people. There were some white people in there, but there were so many black people in there. There were people standing in the rows, bro. Standing right. in the rows, and they were content to just stand there the entire time. Black right. Panther was such a movement. Mm-hmm. And then to see, then three months later, Chadwick reprised the role in Infinity War. I was like, right. oh, yeah, them boy got to go to Wakanda to get help. And then right. we did the whole fight with Thanos. I mean, Thanos didn't show up then, but his, you know, his Black Order did in Wakanda. Right. So, you know, everybody knows that one scene where he yells Wakanda forever. He does a little Black Panther pose, his mask comes on, everybody yells, and then they're charging, and then he and Captain America run up in there and start just, like, fighting, right? I was like, oh, the Black Panther talk. And then he disintegrated. I knew he was going to come back, but I was like, oh, y'all really just disintegrated Black Panther? And then we get to Endgame, dude comes back with the army, and then he's got the one scene where he's like, Clint, give it to me, and then he's just, he's running, and he's just doing his Black Panther thing. I'm like, yo, like, and I love Endgame, but if, if Scarlet Witch had not jumped in there and said the whole you took everything away from me he was about mm-hmm. to fight thanos right let him fight thanos but that being said um chadwick's legacy like when when i saw the what if thing it was i mean it's nice because it's a what if right so what if to right. star lord but even the way they did the story he was very much like a oh we don't like you know we're not uh thieves like you know whatever like you know normal guardians of the galaxy is you know they do jobs for money but right. that, yeah, like, that version of T'Challa Star-Lord, he's like, oh, we're going to rob from the rich, give to the poor, help these things out. Like, we got to help the less fortunate, all this stuff. And I'm like, this, Robin Hood shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin Hood. Like, they, even uh, Yondu said at one point, he was like, remember what you said? We rob from the rich to give to the poor, like that earth hero guy you told me about? And he's like, Robin Hood. And I was like, yeah. Like, I was like, that makes sense that that's what T'Challa would have done mm-hmm. in a what-if scenario had he been plucked up by Yondu or whatever, right? right, but, right. Uh, to go back to, like, the, the whole Chadwick Boseman thing, like I said, it did something to me to hear his voice again, because mm-hmm. I was like, like I can watch Black Panther now, but it's like it always it do something to me when I watch Black Panther now, knowing mm-hmm. that he's gone. Because it's like, especially because he died so young, mm-hmm. and it's really so it's it's mad soon because it was only like a year ago. But I remember when I heard it, I was like, ain't no, I, I swear to God, I remember when I saw it on on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You know, sometimes people put fake stuff. I was like, yeah. ain't no way the Black Panther gone. Y'all just right. then I went to Twitter and I saw his official uh his official Twitter and then it had a pit that picture of him smiling and then it had the words from his management team saying that unfortunately you know saying that Chadwick had passed away he had he had wanted to keep it a secret that he was battling an illness he did pass mm-hmm. away surrounded by family and friends I was like oh my god and I remember I told my mom I was like mom and she's like what I was like mom like the Black Panther's gone she's like what mm-hmm. she, my mom didn't even believe it till I showed her. And then she was like, oh, Josh. And I'm like, yeah, mom, like, that just, that's crazy. And I remember that weekend, like, I watched Black Panther again. Um, the whole, like, the whole world celebrated Chadwick. Like, that's the first time I watched 21 Bridges, which was a great film. Right. Performance. Um, so, like, I, it just, it did something to me, like, to, to that he died. And then uh, going into this year, going into the Oscars, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was his technical, like, final live-action performance. Dude won so many awards for that. I was like, he's going to sweep the Oscars. And then they snubbed him. Right. They stayed on his face for 20 seconds in the immemorial section of the Oscars. And then you snubbed him. And they even sold little goodie bags or gift bags or whatever and had Chadwick's face. That's monetizing it. I was like, sick, bro. That was sick. That made me sick to my stomach. And I was like, especially when they did the immemorium, they, they go through, you know how many people die in a year? In the film right. industry, they went right. through so many faces, but then Chadwick, they stayed for like 20 seconds. And I was like, 
Yeah, they're going to they gonna give it to them. Everybody on Twitter, because, you know, like I like to follow the hashtag when stuff happens in real time. Right. Everybody on Twitter was like, yeah, that, yo, they just showed Chadwick's face. Oh, my God, they still on it for 20 seconds. He's going to win that Oscar. Right. And I was like, y'all really just gave the Oscar to Anthony Hopkins, who wasn't even there. Right. I don't care what y'all say. Y'all just snub black people because they didn't give the mm-hmm. Bible Davis either. And then now this what if thing comes out. This what if thing doesn't make me uh, feel like they're like hurting his legacy any. But I'm also like uh, his technical last live action performance in the MCU was in Endgame. Mm-hmm. And the last shot we saw was him with his mom and his sister smiling. And then mm-hmm. now we're going to see Wakanda forever, which like I said, I'm 95% sure we will see his face. Right. A statue of the Black Panther, something like that. But um, I like that he did this what if thing, but I feel like Chadwick himself did this what if thinking he was going to beat whatever illness he had because even the producers say that he was talking about potentially doing other things in the future so okay. he wasn't like i guess at this point because he knew from what we hear about comments and stuff chadwick knew like when it's when it was his time because he even told right. his brother uh because his brother's like a pastor and he told his brother he was like I, i'm in the third quarter or something he, i forget the actual line his brother said he said but he's basically said something about like i'm in the third quarter but you gotta get me out the game and his brother didn't understand that. He was like, what do you mean? And Chadwick was like, you got to pray me out the game. He's like, you got to pray me out the game. I'm in the third quarter, but you got to pray me out the game. And then, like, a day later, Chadwick died. Wow. Like, he knew it was his time, right? right. So I feel like uh, because he, there, from what we see as far as, like, what if and stuff like that, and even uh, Kugler writing the script, mm-hmm. it was there was a point where Chadwick probably thought he could beat it, and there was a point where he, like, either made his peace with the fact that he couldn't beat it or you know how some people say when you're close to death you just feel it right like he was one of those people where he felt it right like he felt like my time is coming like it really is gonna be time for me to be an ancestor i gotta put some things to rest so like he sort of like did that but you could see there were some things that he left i don't want to say unresolved but like he had plans if it had gone i feel like the way he would have wanted it to because i don't think he wanted to go you know i mean that being said nobody can ever speak for you know, you can never never speak with those people. You, mm-hmm. just, you know, you just appreciate the legacy and the life they left behind. So to that whole point, the what if episode was fun to watch, but it was mm-hmm. also like heart wrenching because I'm like, bro, like he's not here. Not, not not that y'all use his voice and he's not here, but it's like he's not here. And for me to see something that it's the same thing as I tell people right now, right? Like with my short films, if something were to happen to me right now, I literally have footage where someone could cut that together, put a film out, and say it was directed by me, even though it was directed by me, but I'm not here. Mm-hmm. I feel like all creatives have that. So like with Chadwick, it's like he had content that they could still release with him being gone. But it was like, mm-hmm. it was just it, basically my whole point is it was just heart wrenching to hear his voice again. Right. I was like, I can, watching Black Panther is different, but to hear his voice saying entirely new lines I've never heard before, and I know he's not here, it's like, oh man. Like, right. But but that being said, I don't know if you watched the episode, but um, I'm, no, I'm gonna watch it this weekend. Yeah. Or like probably tonight when, before I go to bed yeah. or something like that. But I know, like you said, uh, like like you said, like the ancestor, like Chad's, Chad's an ancestor now. Like Kugler even said Chad, he's like, Chadwick is an ancestor now. Like he's on the ancestral plane. I'm like, that's crazy to think mm-hmm. of. Like that's really yes. crazy to think. So like now when I watch Black Panther and I see him go to the ancestral plane, it hit different. Which I low-key feel like they will not, uh, how do I put it? Like he said, they're not going to CGI Chadwick into the film. Right, right, but right. The one thing no one ever thinks about, unless you're in the film world, is that there are shots from the first Black Panther film they never used. There's footage that they had on the cutting room floor that they just didn't use in the film because it didn't fit. 
Right. Say there are things in that ancestral. Maybe there's a scene of him being in the ancestral plane and then he hugs his dad and the other Black Panthers are there and then it's a nice wide shot. You could literally use that in the next film if you wanted to. Right. Without recasting the role, without CGIing him in there because it's literally archive footage. I feel like they will do that in some way to actually put him in the film to give like his character an ending because when Chadwick died, Marvel, I feel like tipped their hand, which we'll never know until we watch Black Panther 2. But they tipped their hand because they said our king is dead in fiction as he is in real life. Right. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Does that mean that Black Panther is going to die in Black Panther 2 or you're going to say he's dead? Yeah, I think I think what they're going to play it off as, oh yeah, I think they're just going to play it off that he just passed away. That's that. They literally have to. There's no other way to do it. Like, you can't say he went on a mission and he died. Right. You, you definitely can't show nobody killing him, which right. I doubt they would do anyway. I right. feel like they're literally just going to say, uh, so they're going to do some kind of monologue and they're going to say something about um, after Endgame or after the unsnapping or whatever, the world went back to normal, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Wanda enjoy a time of peace, but it wasn't supposed to last or it didn't last. And then they're going to show like the smallest scene where maybe they go into a room and then, like, the characters are just, like, smiling or whatever. And then you're not going to see him, but you're going to know, oh, like, he just passed away peacefully. Right. You're going to just say something about, like, it was his time to go or something like that. Or it was his time to join the ancestors. But he's still, like, they're going to do some kind of, like, it's the most subtle way, I swear. It will be the most subtle way that they do it. Right. And, like, the audience, you're going to be sitting there crying because you're going to know, oh, my God, he's dead in real life. And, and Black Panther's dead. But it's, gonna, it's literally going to, it's just like, it's going to remind you that he's gone and it's going to hurt. But then you're also going to be like, they're going to do some kind of thing where like, you know, like Lion King. Lion King was a big, uh, you could tell a big inspiration when they did the first one. You're going to basically do him like they did Mufasa. Like, he's going to be in the clouds, going to be on the ancestral plane. Like, in the story, it'll all be, he'll be gone, but it's like, he'll be forever remembered and stuff. In our hearts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm telling you, they're going to build a statue. Like, somewhere in Black Panther 2, there's going to be a statue of T'Challa somewhere. But um, yeah, so like I'm excited. I'm I'm I don't want to say excited. It's very like it's like Fast Seven when you watch Fast Seven, but you knew Paul Walker was gone. Oh, it's yeah. like the same thing, but it just hurts ten times worse because a it was an African American man, b it was Black Panther himself, and c like I said for me, he came from South Carolina. I'm from South Carolina, so it's like to see him gone just like it do something to you. You know, right? I'll feel you. So. Uh, all that being said, like I said, well, that, that I didn't really review what if as much as I wanted to in this little segment, but it was just more so like a tribute to Chadwick. But that's okay because, uh, like you said, it's sort of like to, for people of color to see something like that, even for the few years that we got it, it's like I'm glad that we got it for the time we did and to never get it at all. Exactly. You know, exactly how I feel. Yeah. Um, and to that point, we'll sort of glide in very quickly into our last one. Uh, like we said, the things of people of color. Um, Anthony Mackie. Well, I th- okay, I'm going to back up. Technically, it was Terrence Howard uh, before Don Shield took on the role of Rhodey in Iron Man. But he was the, the first like black, big black character in the Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe, right? Mm-hmm. Rhodey never got his due uh because he was always sidekick to tony but still it was don Cheadle, so you knew when war machine showed up he was gonna kick some ass right. and, um and he's war machine like dude was always dope when he flew around that armor uh and you know of course in winter soldier they introduced anthony mackie 
right. as Falcon. Now, I was calling Clarence because eight mile. So I was like, Clarence <laughs> Falcon? What? But then they made Falcon like into a dope character. But I always felt like, and again, literally, uh, again, my brother's funny way of looking at film. My brother was like, man, Falcon, go ahead, man. I was like, what you mean? He's like, he's always dick riding Captain America. Oh, I was like, you, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He's like, yeah, man, think about it. Anytime Falcon shows up, it's always Captain America, Captain America, man, where you want to go, I'll go Captain America. Like, nigga, what? You know what I mean? And uh, to that point, there were even Comic-Cons where Tom Holland would joke with him and he'd be like, you don't have your own film. And the audience would be like, oh, but now he does, right? Because now they're reporting. uh, After the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I love, by the way. A lot of people, they say it wasn't like their best favorite thing, but I liked it. Um, But to that point, after that show finished, they announced that Captain America 4 was being written and the same showrunner, Marcus Spielman, again, another African-American person, shout out to our culture and our people, was the one writing it and producing it. So I was like, oh, word, they're making another Captain America. And you would assume Anthony Mackie would come into the role of Captain America in that film because he had, he had sort of come into it at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, but you would assume he'd be, you know, the film would be him because there was right. also a report that said Chris Evans was coming back. So everybody was like, oh, is Captain America himself coming back or what's, is this going to be a continuation of what we just watched? But right. two days ago... It was officially confirmed that it is going to start Anthony Mackie as Captain America. Uh, now, to me, I'm like, Chris Evans will always be Captain America because mm. Captain America. But like, A, there's precedent in the comics for him passing on his shield. And B, should Chris Evans ever come back, we can have a point in between where Mackie is Captain America because that's how it happened in the comics too. Steve Rogers went away and came back. Uh, but even if he never came back, to me, it did something different to see Anthony Mackie even though he's the Falcon, but Anthony Mackie is a black man holding that shield, training with that shield in the South where I'm from again. So like, like you said, to the point of inclusivity and culture, like I love how Marvel's putting that stuff in their stuff. But right. uh, so now for him to be, I knew it was Captain America. Cause now, you know, you know, at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier, he is Captain America. But for now that for them to say, Oh, we're making Captain America four and it will start Anthony Mackie as Captain America. I was like 1000%. Yes. Yeah. Y'all got my vote. But, not because of the fact that it is a black man, but because of the fact that it is a black man holding the shield. Like, yeah, take that and run with it. Like, even when they open Avengers Campus in California, the Captain America walking around in Avengers Campus is not Steve Rogers. It's wow. the Falcon Captain America. Okay. They even did a little thing where they opened it where they had Anthony Mackie there and whoever the, uh, you know how Disney has those actors uh, that in Disneyland will portray the characters, even though it's not the actual actor. They had whoever was supposed to be portraying um, the Falcon, Captain America in that Disney park or whatever. He was there and Anthony Mackie showed up on stage and gave him the shield. And I was like, as a black man, that's like amazing to see. But I can only think of like the black children now because I'm 22, right? I just turned 22. But think of if you're a black kid right now growing up during this time. Like when we grew up, there were our black heroes, right? There was... John Stewart, Green Lantern, and Justice League, which I still say is way better than Hal Jordan. Uh, yeah, there was Static Shock, who literally, all his whole TV show was a take on uh, living in the ghetto and stuff right. like that. But um, so, like, we did have our black heroes, but then the older we got, like I said, I'm only 22. So I watched that stuff as a kid and as a teenager. 
But there was that nice time span of 2010, 2020, where this stuff just became more prevalent. The world became more open to it. And so now to see people of color in these roles is not uncommon. But when we grew up, it was. So I can only imagine the kids that are kids now that are growing up seeing this stuff like it's normal because it should be. You know what I mean? Right. So at that point, uh, to see him in Captain America 4 as Captain America, I'm like a thousand percent yes. Bring Chris Evans back one day. If you say Chris Evans is coming back to pick up the shield one day, bro, I will like, you know, you know how like the white people be like, I'll flip. Like, right. I'll be like in black people term, I'm gonna be hyped as fuck if Chris Evans ever comes back because that's Captain America. Like that is Captain America. But for Anthony Mackie to be Captain America, whether it is long term, short term, whatever, and carry that shield and like carry with it what that means in the MCU and in our real world for the black black people and white people to see Captain America as a black man walking with that shield, like mm-hmm. thousand percent yes. Right. But, um, what's your takes on that though? Um, yo, I'm I watched like I'm really not that into MCU, but like seeing a black like seeing a black man play a dominantly white uh person, it, it seems like they trying to replace my man Chad, what you feel what I'm saying as that black character. Uh, yeah. Um, but again, like I'm I'm hundred percent down. I'm I'm ready to see what they do with it. But yeah, you feel what I'm saying? I I I, I so like you Disney, have- Disney is pretty fucking smart. They know what the hell they're doing. You feel what I'm saying? So you're so. saying it's a business move as much as it is like a for the culture move. Exactly, exactly. They 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 need that prominent black character to play um yeah. a, a role in in the MCU because they know they're going to lose a large demographic if they don't. I didn't think of it that way. And you know they're giving Don Sheila his own Armor Wars series too. Yeah, it would just so it like- would just make sense like as a as a as a as a as a production house as a yeah, man, it, it just makes total sense to me. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. I mean, I still hold on to the positive. Of, it's good to see black people doing that, but like, right. it is like you said, it could be one of those, uh, one of those nice, like, it's just a smart move on their part to do that. Right. Having lost your main black lead in the MCU, yep. so I mean, we'll see how it goes. I still say I'm always like Clarence was Falcon, and now I'm like Clarence is Captain America. Like, what? Mm-hmm. What? Clarence? Like. This dude lost to Eminem in a rap battle. And you told me you don't hold the shield? Like, nah, bro. But then I'm all, you know, I'm like, like I said, it's it's good to see a black man doing it. Falcon has been around since 2014 in the MCU, more than mm-hmm. almost 10 years. So, like, he has earned his due right. as far as holding that shield. Technically, if you want to count the fights he's been in, he's been in Winter Soldier. He was in Age of Ultron. He was mm-hmm. in Civil War. He was in Infinity War. He was in Endgame. Now Falcon and Winter Soldier, too. So it's like, he has sort of stuck around long enough to take his punches, earn his stripes, and wear that shield. Plus, Steve gave it to him in Endgame. Right. So he knew it was coming. Right. But, like, I, I even remember the day uh, the last Falcon Winter Soldier episode premiered. And I was like, I watched it because I remember, I swear, I swear, I remember, I like, I mean, my like pancakes or whatever, I was watching it. And then I saw him with the suit and I was like, yeah, y'all did something with that one. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all did something with that one. And like even the themes of Falcon and Winter Soldier, because it is being written by the same person who wrote those episodes, I feel will carry on into Captain America 4 because he's the same guy writing it. So we'll see how it goes. But so it should probably echo a lot of that sentiment, if you will. Um, and I do expect the Winter Soldier to come back in that film because why wouldn't he? Right. I mean, they already kind of established that. So it makes sense that Bucky would show up in that film. But um, 
But yeah, so like I'm, I'm mad hyped to see him as Captain America, truth be told. We're definitely going to see how that goes. But um, so that is all of our topics for today, though. And we did kind of run this podcast hella long tonight, but that's strikes. We're going to have to split uh, this joint up. <laughs> yeah, we're going to split this up into two parts for sure. But uh, before we do log off here, Stu, where can people find you on social media? Way Vision, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, at Sneakerhead, PJ on uh, TikTok. True facts, true facts. Do check out his TikTok, y'all, but he's not, he not playing around with TikTok. Uh, and for me, you can find me on Instagram at JoshBing99. Uh, big thank you to everyone listening to this podcast. This is only episode two, which, again, we're going to split in two parts. But, you know, we just get started with talking about this content, everything in the world of film and movie news and things like that. So mm-hmm. do expect the weekly updates from us on those things. Uh, and again, these are just two film students just, you know, talking about what we love about it, uh, sort of creating this community, if you will, for people like-minded to come in and, you know, share their thoughts on these kinds of things as well. So uh, we'll definitely see how it goes as far as leading into the future of this podcast and what that'll look like. But, you know, I'm mad hyped for it. I know you are too, Stu. So we'll definitely see how that stuff plays out. But, uh, but yeah, so that's all for episode two. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. All right.